It's time for Twig This Week at Google. Mike Elgin joins us along with Aunt Pruitt and Jeff Jarvis. Jeff was on the CBC. It seems the Canadian government's pretty mad at Facebook. But Facebook says, we told you. We'll also talk about some new features on YouTube that let you hum a song to find it. Uh, and the passing of a legend, and a, a man who really helped build the computer era. Plus, we'll talk a lot about AI, and Mike comes up with some pretty interesting AI tools, all of that and a lot more coming up next on Twig. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twig. This is Twig. This week at Google, episode 730, recorded Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. Thank you, This episode of This Week in Google is brought to you by Panoptica. Reduce the complexity of protecting your workloads and applications in a multi-cloud environment. Panoptica provides comprehensive cloud workload protection integrated with API security to protect the entire application lifecycle. Learn more about Panoptica at panoptica.app. And by Discourse, the online home for your community. Discourse makes it easy to have meaningful conversations and collaborate anytime, anywhere. We know because we use it. Visit discourse.org slash twit to get one month free on all self-serve plans. And by Bitwarden. Get the open source password manager that can help you stay safe online. Get started with a free Teams or Enterprise plan trial or get started for free across all devices as an individual user at bitwarden.com slash twit. It's time for Twig this week in Google, the show we cover all the latest Googleish, Googleish news. My frabjuous day, Kalu Kale. Jeff Jarvis is knocking things over in his. Hello? What? What? what He's an old grump. What? He's an old grump on the line. This is uh, all because of this album art from Joe Esposito. Ant and the old grumps. That's Ant Pruitt right there. He says, y'all get me out of this mess. Please, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> Love Ant Pruitt. He's our community manager. Uh, but I didn't get to yeah. do the uh, Oh, the yeah, we got to go here. back. Yeah. Because uh, Jeff oh, is, wow. you don't have a jingle for yourself. I'm no, sure I wish you don't. Get one. <laughs> Jeff is the Leonard Tau Professor for Journalistic Innovation at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at the City University. Of have a New York. hearty salute to our Craig right now. Yeah. Craig, what's going on with Craig? He's fine. He, he, he oh, tweeted good. something about being in the hospital. Yeah. But I emailed him and he says he's okay. Oh, okay. Good. Okay, good. Hope, Craig, you, hope you're feeling better. Craig. Okay. He, he tweeted yes, a heart. If he thing. behaved, he could get a visit from a therapy pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> Not a duff, though. Not a duff. Enough, no. Now, as you know, and if you didn't hear, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad tidings. Stacey Higginbotham has retired, not just from this leave, show, no. but from podcasting so that she could go to work as a consumer advocate at Consumers Union. The Consumer, consumer Reports, Reports. Reports people. Yeah, I guess yeah. it changed the work. So uh, to Consumer Reports. So, yes, Consumer Reports. So in f- filling in <laughs> for Stacey Higginbotham in the Stacey seat today, Mike Elgin, our sweet. dear friend who is in the Bay Area, briefly, in between Gastro Nomad Adventures. Hi, Mike. Hey, how you doing? Glad to be here. So glad to have you. Always good. Um, yeah. I got a whole bunch of friends at Consumer Reports. I got a, I got a 
check in on isn't that on, great on them and her and, i'm so proud yeah. of her that's such a great yeah yeah I, I tell you anything anywhere else i'd be pissed off but but consumer union consumer reports i've been a working on subscriber for 20 years for yeah working on policy it's perfect it, it makes sense. I mean, toasters, which, you know, which they always review and stuff like that now have internet connections and right. computer chips. And so bring in a, bring in Her a expertise. IoT yeah. It's really, is really great. Yeah. Uh, fires continue in Canada. Fires just all over. Of course, yellow knife has been evacuated. 20,000 people in the capital. Um, heritage minister says it's all Meta's fault. This, you remember C-18 passed in the Canadian Parliament, uh, which required that Google and Meta pay news publishers for links back to their, tra- their, their sites. So if you, you know, if you uh, are on Facebook and you put a link to the Toronto Globe and Mail, you'd have to pay for that. Facebook would have to pay for that, even though it's sending traffic back to the Toronto Globe and Mail. Unbelievable. To which Google and Facebook said, see ya. So now, uh, without news links, by the way, Facebook pointed out only about 3% of our traffic is these news links. People don't get their news on Facebook. It's not a huge deal. A, and by the way, nothing stops the news organization from typing into a post. Yellowknife is being evacuated. Put the actual information there. This is about the links only. And there are plenty of other places to get your news. But of course, so... People if it may say when they first hear this, oh, shame on you, Meta, uh, because you're endangering people in Yellowknife because Facebook blocks those links. But I say shame on you, Canada, and the Canadian government, because mm-hmm. this is a very cynical ploy to get pressure Facebook to come back. Exactly. Canada's heritage minister redoubled her calls for Meta. To end its ban on Canadian news content. This is for the and Canadian Trudeau press news. And, and now the yeah. Prime Minister uh, weighs in as well. Dudes, <laughs> you uh, you do this. Uh, you chase away. You've so You've been warned. So Facebook was saying it was roughly 2 or 3% from in their analytics that they saw was news stuff. Yeah, for news. Links, yeah. What are the news organizations seeing? What, what are the folks in Canada well, seeing that's in their analytics? Are they seeing it as really 80% of their traffic is coming well, from, was coming Jeff from Facebook? Jeff LG, we, we quoted him a few weeks ago from Village Media in Canada, who's a real innovator in Canada. He said between Google and Facebook together, Ant, mm-hmm. it's about 50% of his traffic. People start there and it's like, and of course, it's not just links. It's the news organizations themselves linking to stuff, but it's also readers linking to stuff, which you want. And they're cutting off their nose despite their face. Pascal Solange, which weirdly is the heritage minister in charge of this, says this is uh, this news block is putting people's lives at risk. But this guy named Jeff Jarvis, a journalism professor at the city of some loudmouth American, University of Newark, tells the Canadian press news.ca. There is some onus on the Canadian government to back down. You said to look for the reckless roots of this problem. Nice to sneak in some alliteration. The heritage minister should look in the mirror. Uh, he says the bill is what's reckless, not, not Facebook. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, there's just two things about it. One is the abdication of responsibility by the government as if, as if it's Mark Zuckerberg's uh, you know, mission to uh, to to safeguard the, the the health and and safety of the Canadian people, rather than the Canadian government. 
number one. Number two, by saying that the uh, the meta uh, removal of news links uh, endangers lives, essentially what he's saying is that meta providing the free service of linking to news in normal times was life-saving. And so, you know, they're, they're, the ones, right they're the ones who chase meta away, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so it's, it's just ridiculous. Furthermore, Meta yeah. has turned Facebook has turned on their safety check feature, which is a great public service that all they right. offer, where people can go to their Facebook page and say, "I'm all right, I'm okay, I got it evacuated." Cool. Uh, apparently, that twenty thousand people have been flown. I was just talking to Richard Thompson, uh, sorry, Richard Campbell on um, uh, Windows Weekly, Windows and Weekly. he told he's in Coquitlam, he's in BC. He said that uh, twenty thousand people have been flown from Yellowknife mm. down to British Columbia. Hundreds of flights mm. to get them out, uh, but they can they can use Meta to say, um, "Oh yeah, I got evacuated. I'm in BC. I'm okay." Yeah, right. That's good. That's and a they can, and they can post a any free service in a post. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the the publishers said, "How dare you link to us?" And now they say, "How dare you not link to yeah, us?" This is the problem with um, this. Yeah. And it's been interesting because I did a CBC interview. I did the the the. the Canadian press interview. I did a couple radio interviews because I'm the loudmouth American now on this topic. <laughs> and I thought I would get a lot of pushback from the interviewers. And actually, I, I haven't. They've, they they kind of get it. Okay, don't tell you so. There's still a loudmouth uh, American on every topic. But um, <laughs> no, I saw the I saw the the, the 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 interview you did. It was exactly right. My curiosity is around public opinion in Canada. What what do the Canadians think? Uh, uh, who who are the Canadians blaming? For for this problem, are they siding with the government, or they agree that the? I think it's so um, arcane and inside uh, uh, cricket, this thing, inside hockey, I should say, hockey. Um, <laughs> that um, I doubt that there's much public opinion. Um, the, and, I'll tell you, you exactly know, the, the what people happens. who are affected are the First Nations in oh, that's sad. Um, Northwest Territories. Yeah. Well, you were going to say something. You were saying something. I, I think what it really comes down to, and this is often the case in our polarized world, is which you hate worse, government or Facebook? Mm. And for the people who say, yeah, see, Facebook sucks, this is more proof. And for people who say, yeah, government sucks, right. this is more proof. And it has nothing to do with the facts of the matter. Um, the thing about this is, is there, there an could uproar be one way negotiation. or another. I'm sorry, Ant. No, I'm just saying it's just stirring an uproar one way or another. Um, yeah. You, you mentioned it, it seemed like the people that were interviewing you were, were fair on this. Uh, should they have been otherwise? Isn't it their job to just try to report the facts and get the information? <laughs> I love uh, you, man. I mean, no, I'm saying that's, yeah, that's the right. problem no, right. I have right with to news today is yeah. uh, they're not, they're not exactly supposed to come be. out and, and have their, their slant one way or another when it comes to a matter of actual facts. Like right now, our folks cannot access, cannot put this information in Facebook because Facebook has yep. blocked it, period. Next sentence, Facebook blocked it because our government wanted to charge them for putting this in there, period. Those are the facts. It shouldn't yep. have to have yep. some type of political slant one way or another. You're absolutely right. And and the other piece of this, too, in terms of who's reasonable or not, is that is that Facebook and Google, but especially Google, have made clear they'll negotiate. Google said that we just... They did in Australia. Okay. Yeah. And they, and they, and they, you know, short circuited the law there. It didn't ever take effect. And in Canada, 
They've said, listen, you got to have a cap on this. You can't have some unlimited amount of money. Why? You've got to have a fair way to distribute the money. Okay. Uh, you know, who's deciding this? You've got to guarantee the money's going to journalists. Because in this case, mm-hmm. the major newspaper chain in Canada is owned by a hedge fund, an American hedge fund. Oh. And the money is fungible and it's going to go to their <laughs> bottom line. Um, and, but, but the way the law was, was, was written and then passed left no room. No wiggle room at all for negotiation. So now the government's stuck. Uh, they might try to, um, in the regulation, do things like put a cap on and stuff like that. But here's what I think is interesting, my friends. I think Google will end up negotiating something with them. They'll figure it out and they get Google. Uh, but Facebook, I think that Facebook is going to say, you know what? Never mind. We don't want any news there. You know what? We don't want any news anywhere. We're yeah. it's, it's a pain. It's, it's a pain. It's controversial. Yeah. We've been waiting for this excuse. Thank you very much, Canada. Uh, we'll blame you for the whole world having fewer links to news, which does affect the news ecosystem. It does affect the citizenry. It's not good, but I don't blame Facebook at this point for saying, eh. I was wondering how long it would take for them to backtrack on this now that this tragedy has has, has happened. And, you They've know, held firm. Is this something that we'll yep. see fixed at the it's end not, of the year? Now, it hasn't fully become law, right? It was well. It was. It's been signed into law. It hasn't hit the date yet. Okay. That's okay. All. So they but did Facebook this. Said we're doing it kind of proactively, knowing that they were yes. at some point going to have to do this. Mike Masnick's headline: Canadian media organization said that Meta linking to news was anti-competitive. Now they say not linking to news is anti-competitive. <laughs> Mike Mike's writes: the best. This is just so painfully obnoxious. The legacy news media <laughs> spurred on by a welfare system that pretend free market supporter Rupert Murdoch dreamed up and convinced governments to implement, whereby the government would force Internet companies, which had innovated and created new business models that worked, to suddenly be required to pay for sending traffic to legacy news media organizations, which failed to innovate. It's extreme corporate welfare egged on by a guy who pretends to be against all kinds of welfare. And as a a true liberal, I will add that welfare in this country is always for the rich, not for the poor. Yep. We don't yep. want poor yep. people to get any welfare. We don't want any subsidies for poor people. But, oh, by the way. Yeah, can, <laughs> can I have some, please? Thanks. Yeah. Can you bail me yeah. out? Thanks. Canada the, other point would, that Jeff made, yeah, the other point that Jeff made that I thought was uh, right on, of course, is that we have norms about how the Internet works. Uh, you have hyperlinks that link to other content, and right. nobody's paying anybody for those links. And that's the way it's supposed to work. And I was casting about in my mind for an analogy. And one analogy would be from the media. So let's say, for example, you have a newspaper that has a restaurant review section. They recommend a restaurant. There's like, oh, their chicken a la king is fantastic. You should go there. Here's the address. Should they have to pay the restaurant? for directing people to that restaurant and providing the address of that restaurant and showing pictures of the restaurant, showing pictures of the food and all that kind of stuff. You know of what shocks not. me, Mike? Of course not. Down the way what, around. What, what shocks me here, wait, 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 wait a second. Here. What shocks me here, Mike, I just got to get this in here, is that in your brain where you eat the most phenomenal food all the time, all around the world, your brain struggles to pick an example of food, and you pick chicken a la king? <laughs> well, I just, yeah, yeah, well, Where did that come from? Yeah, I, I don't been know. T- I, I he's don't been in Morocco too long. He, just, king. he misses good old American food. food. I just try yeah. to think about what Canadians eat. I don't, I don't know what they eat. I, Campbell's, oh, I Campbell's I mushroom oh. soup. trying to relate to us peasants. So Michael Geist, if you want the Canadian point of view, he is wonderful. He's, He's been lobbying yeah. against C-18 since day one. He's Canadian Research Chair in International Net and E-Commerce Law at the University of Ottawa. 
a member of the Center for Law, Technology, and Society. He writes on his blog, the, and this is actually a very good point. This is, this is from the Canadian point of view. The rhetoric about Bill C-18 has escalated in recent days in light of the awful wildfires in the Northwest Territories and British Columbia. In my view... Again, this is Michael Geist. The issues associated with these tra- tragic events have little to do with meta blocking news links. And the attempt to bring it into the conversation is a transparent attempt to score political points. Hmm. The reality is meta was asked about just this scenario at committee and made it clear that it would not block any non-news outlet links. This is precisely what's been happening. In other words, they told everybody... And the government's the legislative government, the government choices all they should be the starting point for understanding why compliance with the law involves blocking a very broad range of news links that extend even beyond those sources that are defined as eligible news outlets. Uh, in other words, this is this is all about political posturing. What a surprise. And maybe deflecting some responsibility. Um, the connectivity with some Northwest Territory communities completely taken offline for days is somehow never mentioned says Geist. Um, the law has yet to take effect. There is room to address their concerns in the regulation-making process. Uh, that's what the government and supporters of Bill C-18 are saying. He says both of these claims are, dis- are incredibly deceptive, relying on the assumption most won't bother to read the actual legislation. If they did, they would see, one, the law has received royal assent and can take effect any time. And yep. two, the regulation-making process addresses only a small subset of BC Bill C-18 exactly. issues with most of the core issues. They're done. They're finalized. In other words, the with time the to shape the law process. and address many of the key concerns was before the government repeatedly cut off debate in order to ensure that it received royal assent before the summer break. So even even this Canadian media, uh, this uh, Canadian um, uh News Journal interview that you did, even there, CP. the Canadian CPN, Canadian Press News, is that like a news service? CP, yeah, it's the AP of Canada. The AP of Canada. Even then, even in this article, they said B, Bill C-18 is not in effect yet, hmm. <laughs> says St. Ange. This means Met is not yet on the hook to pay for any news sites, so why did they turn it off? Right. Makes uh, just, but you know what? This uh, the reason I bring this up. It's really got much more to do. Much. It's not just Canada. This yeah. is in general the attitude towards big tech. The big tech is is at fault. Whatever goes wrong, it's big tech's fault. Mm-hmm. And this is an easy and we need whipping. to rein in the big tech companies. Yeah, right? and, but it's an easy whipping boy for for uh, the flaws, the faults of the government. Mm-hmm. Yes, let's yes. blame big, big tech is, or, as a whole. Yeah, or society. Yeah. Yeah, And it's also about what disturbs me as a journalist is you have news organizations that are cashing in the political capital they earned through journalism to lobby for protectionist legislation. It's not only happening in Canada. Obviously, we know about Australia. We know about Germany. We know about Europe. It's also happening in Switzerland. It's also happening big time in Brazil. Some really new and bad legislation happening there. Um, and it's spreading around the world, but and it affects everyone's speech. It affects our speech. I well. will continue though, because it does. Then, once you realize that, protect a little bit big tech and where they shouldn't be protected. There is definitely stuff to worry about with big tech. Mm-hmm. Sure, just not this. And so it has a, a negative effect on our dialogue in two ways. One, it deflects blame from 
you know, society and the government, all this stuff, and puts it on big tech. But two, it kind of paints over the really legitimate things we should be complaining about mm-hmm. with big tech and things we should be considering regulating surveillance or, or, or fixing, like <laughs> big tech and society. Surveillance, too, surveillance. like like we think. Yeah, but big I don't tech want made the, us hate or made us made us be. I understand. I agree with you hundred percent. Right? But but my point is that that in defending big tech. I am not defending all of those big companies, tech. right? No, right. But definitely, there are issues. Big tech has gotten so big, and actually, our next story is relevant to this. We were talking about it before the show, which is the uh, incredible New Yorker profile of Elon Musk. Oh boy! By Ronan Farrow, whose last, yeah, you know, uh, topic was you, Me Too, of course, and he he took down the biggest of uh, Me Too uh, offenders. With his articles now, Pharaoh is looking at big tech. He uh, he writes the title of the article: Elon Musk's shadow rule. That's a real. Remember that how the U.S. government came to rely on the tech billionaire and is now struggling to rein him in because government decided they weren't going to spend money on space and other things. Uh, this has given entrepreneurs, tech entrepreneurs, a chance to move in, take. To, in effect, privatizing privatize it, yeah. Gov- traditional government roles like space exploration, and now the government's scratching their heads because Elon, for instance, and this is what Pharaoh talks about, uh, the Ukrainian army is is entirely dependent on SpaceX's uh, uh, Starlink internet access for their frontline forces, and if Elon turns it off, in a Pharaoh says, and I think a lot agree, including. Uh, Mark Milley, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, it it ends the war. The Ukraine loses because they have no battlefield communications. Mm-hmm. And so that gives yeah. one guy, one somewhat nutty guy, let's face it, mm-hmm. an there immense is. amount of power. And he even says, I've been on the phone every week with Vladimir Putin. That's just, yeah. that's terrifying. Yeah. And, and the, so the, the other, you know, the thing about it is, is that, Democracy is messy. Democracy doesn't satisfy everyone. And there's a lot of uh, there, there are a lot of governments around the world that would love to slide into dictatorship or, you know, some kind of one person rule. And that's the problem. Uh, that's one of the problems with corporate rule or, or, or this whole problem of Elon Musk's shadow rule, which is that Elon Musk personally can behave like a dictator. As you said, he can say, well, you know what? I'm going to swing the war for Russia. Throw a switch and there it is. Or, I'm gonna I'm gonna blanket yeah. the country with with charging stations that support Tesla only. I'm going or he could choose any of these things like a dictator. A, a, a democratic government couldn't choose any of these things okay. easily. Right? Let's let's say he and does so, this stuff though, Mr. Elgin. Then what happens? Yeah. Any it, does he suffer any consequences for his actions? Well, I, who knows? I mean, a two hundred billion dollars or two hundred fifty billion dollars or whatever he's worth. He could go anywhere. He could do anything. He's not going to ever want for anything mm-hmm. ever, no matter what. Mm-hmm. He's proving that with the money he's wasting on Twitter. So X, he could, I mean, so he could just I think leave it's an the excellent US question. Be fine because he's untouchable. I, I, he's uncancelable. He's 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 beyond anybody's reach. And I think that's the, the uh, point that uh, and and, and, and I think and, and Ronan Farrow makes this point that uh, Shanghai produces half of Tesla's all of Tesla's cars. So he. His financial fortune depends on the goodwill of Chinese officials. Right. Mm-hmm. He is treated like a visiting head of state when he goes to China. Yeah. Better. 
frankly, than if it's yeah, the he's, United he's States. met yeah. with higher range, higher level people in China than our government has yeah. lately. Uh, as things- Musk was welcomed to Beijing this spring with what Reuters summarized as quote flattery and feasts. Uh, so this guy has immense and growing power. But you really you nailed it a second ago, and I don't know it's not even mentioned in this article. But but Jeff, you said he also controls elections, mm-hmm. and honestly, uh, I I'm starting to become convinced that he bought Twitter for one and one only reason is for political power. Yeah, uh, and I think and maybe I think it you is said that from the beginning, back when this was uh, a, a story of him being. Well, I, no one no one really knows. I was yeah. speculating, but now I'm starting yeah, to think this is the, yeah. this is the case. This is what everyone, go back is what everyone was saying when when he was going to buy Twitter. I'm sorry, Jeff, uh, okay. step on you, but uh, the the uh, they were like, oh my goodness, you know what what is he going to uh, change the algorithm on Twitter to favor the, the the Chinese point of view? Those concerns almost seem quaint given what's happened with Twitter now. But if you want to take that to an extreme, imagine if if the Chinese government invaded Taiwan and there was a Western alliance led by the United States opposing Chinese uh, invasion of Taiwan, um, Elon Musk, whose side would he take? Well, I mean, not just Elon Musk, Tim Cook. <laughs> Don't go well, there. But no, but Tim, Tim Cook is a... Uh, He's the golden uh, boy here. You know, the Apple is owned by its shareholders, which are you know, by and large American investors and so on. He's he's more of a reliable player who's trying to be publicly ethical, you know, on behalf of the company and well, but, so but, on. But you're trusting him as a personality. That's that's apart from systems. I want to go back to Ann's question because Ann's yes. question was right on, on target, is what's the accountability of Musk? And Ann, as you ask that question, I think that we have to come to the law. And in anything that we have listed but Musk could do, yeah. I'm not sure that he's violating any law. Right. I'm not sure that there's any. I'll, I'll give you uh, one. I'll give you one right now. Stop him. From yes. the Ronan Farrow article. He wanted to launch. FAA said you cannot. Mm-hmm. We need to do a safety investigation. He launched anyway. Mm-hmm. There has been no. There have been no repercussions. The FC, FAA issued no fine. It gra- mostly because they said it didn't see a fine would make any difference. That's that's been but it grounded point. SpaceX for two months, and that might have hurt it, what hurt him do? a little. But he honestly, that's why he moved his launch pads to Boca Chica, Texas, mm. to private property that he owns because he doesn't want to be beholden to any government agency. Uh, so if he turned off Starlink in Ukraine, if he supported China against uh, American interests uh, regarding Taiwan, if he uh, turned uh, Twitter entirely into Trump land, there is no accountability for any of those actions. So I think I think mm-hmm. and so right. Now, even if he did violate law, and he has so much money. Yeah, he could go to some other country. He could go to Russia overnight. But even apart from that, there's no um, check on him. Not, and, and my point, the reason I brought up Tim Cook, and you're right, it's more complicated with Apple, but the reason I brought it up is there really is no accountability for any of these big tech it's companies. Yes. And, and so well, Elon is just an example of what is going on. These companies have gotten too big to fail. They have so much power. Google basically runs the Internet. Yep. If you're not on the Google search engine, you do not exist. Right as a website, or right. even as a business, to be right. honest, everybody's all. Well, so the answer to that, is, you know, I go back to my shame that I didn't follow your lead long ago, and say there's trouble in this in this privatization of our internet. 
We've got to support places like Mastodon, as small as they might be. On a matter of principle, the best thing we can do is to support competition mm-hmm. to these companies. We talked last week about whether or not this money VC corporate thing was a necessary phase in the internet. I'm not sure either way, but in any case, the only answer is competition with these big guys. And well, in the United States, I mean, China uh, detected the rising power of tech giants and started in 2020 with a giant crackdown. They cracked down on the Ant Group, no offense, Ant, Tencent, <laughs> Baidu, JD.com, ByteDance, et cetera. And they, you know, what's his name went into hiding? Um, Jack, Jack Ma, Ma, I believe. Yeah. Uh, just vanished for, I don't know how long that was. Um, and, and they really have, have, have demonstrated to, to the Chinese tech giants you, you're you not going to even come close to challenging the power of the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese government. Uh, we're By the way, sure you there may be lane. some evidence that they did that at their peril. This this week, yes. New York Times, as China falls into deflation, the mood turns dark. Mm-mm. Chinese yep. economy is tumbling. Their housing market is like half the economy and they're, and and it's in serious trouble. So yeah, China is China's gonna look China looks like Japan in the nineties. So Leo, back to back to Musk. I'm I'm gonna be fascinated. I put the, the link up in the in the Twitch chat. Um Walter Isaacson's authorized biography. Oh god, it's gonna be such a hagiography. Out. It's gonna be terrible. I think so, don't you? Oh, it's gonna it's I, gonna affect I, his reputation. What did you say, Isaacson? What? So Walter bio- Isaacson, authorized biography, who's a well-known biographer, his best known is this most Steve recent Jobs one he did on Steve Jobs, but yeah. he's also written about uh, uh, Einstein and uh, others. I, I never thought he was, you know, look at, I'm reading Robert Caro's amazing <laughs> book about Robert Moses. I've read the J, the LBJ books. Uh, that's a great biographer. Mm-hmm. And by the way, extremely critical. And his whole thesis on both those series that the, the, the Carroll book is so long, uh, is that power corrupts and mm-hmm. absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And so compare that with Isaacson, who basically gets all this access and then writes a, you know, well, here's, let me read from the, from the Amazon, his father's impact on his psyche would linger. He developed into a tough yet vulnerable man child prone to abrupt, abrupt Jekyll and Hyde mood swings with an exceedingly high tolerance for risk, a craving for drama, an epic sense of mission, and a maniacal intensity that was callous and at times destructive. Okay, that's all true, but that's but he says later that whenever he got, or there was trouble, whenever he was in a dark place, his mind went back to being bullied on the playground. Now he had a chance to own the playground. Yeah. So it's a psychoanalysis of this nut job with, I think, I don't know, we can tell, this is just promotional copy, but it feels like um, more empathy than I want to give the guy. Yeah, I, I, Ashley Vance's excellent biography of Musk uh, is recommended, although he wrote it before Musk went off the deep end. I think it clearly there was something that happened that Elon had. I don't yeah. think it's the same Elon of 10 years ago, but maybe it is. Maybe no. we just didn't know. Yeah. Nevertheless, I don't want to make it about Elon. It's, it's really about, it's the structure. It's, it's, mm, it's yeah. government has right. essentially pulled back Ever since Reagan, uh, the the fear of socialism has gotten so extreme that private enterprise rules. And now you have these companies that are so massive, so big, they can't be challenged. They're doing everything they can within the bounds that they have. They can't be regulated and they can't be competed with. And that's actually a big one because I don't think we've already seen many companies try to do a better search engine than Google. and, And they have. 
but they failed nevertheless because Google's the default. And uh, you're still bitter about Nevine. I'm very bitter. <laughs> it was better, but and it was amazing, but didn't have a shot. Yeah. And it answered a question I've had for a long time, which is can't, you know, normally the answer would be, oh, there's a business cycle. Every company rises and falls. It's like IBM. They were dominant and then they weren't. And that's going to happen to these guys too. And it's very short-sighted to say, oh, there's nobody ever going to challenge, uh, you know, Facebook. Look at MySpace. But I'm starting to think that there is, it is possible for a company to get to a point where they are, in fact, not going to be subject to the business cycle, that they are so dominant that there will be no competition and furthermore they're too big to fail so there'll be no regulation and they'll be no, that, that's where i have a little more hope than you do Leo. let's let, so facebook i think we would all say is is fading uh it's still powerful still rich but it's it's a fading, lot less fading, i would say because of their own users yeah but they're, they're their own stupidity but that's part of, that's a they fact brought it on themselves yeah yeah google has lost a lot of mojo it has huge competition coming up from Amazon and advertising. I think the one area That's where true. the regulators never struck where they are going to strike and will have a case to strike is in advertising. They'll, they'll break up some part of that hegemony they have. Um, that will be the litmus and, test. I agree. Yeah. If yeah. they can do that, then there is hope. It remains to be seen that they'll be able to do that. And I remain... I, you know, I use all these Google services. I still basically like Google. I find they do fascinating things. I'm disappointed in their lack of momentum. I'm disappointed that they become better known for killing things and starting things. But I've always said the one area where they are vulnerable is advertising. And that's the core of the company. And so we'll, well see what happens. Come that's Lena Khan's test, <laughs> it, too. Yeah, it is. It can't come fast enough for us because basically podcasting yeah. is dying thanks to Google and Facebook. There, It's impossible for us to get advertising. Because we can't compete. It's also thanks to stupid advertisers who shouldn't be doing programmatic. Well, be doing I agree. You know, Lisa's at Podcast Movement right now. And every time I talk to her every night, she says, we're dead. Uh, everybody's oh. going DAI, direct ad insertion. Everybody oh, wants metrics. Everybody's talking about how can we put pixels on your pages? How can we monitor your audience? And w I'm sorry, we're not going to do that. Uh, mm -hmm. Podcasting is an RSS feed. And uh, and we so we know very little about it. We all our ads are context sensitive. They are not uh, driven by no, no, their not, environment. Yeah, the environment. And and I, uh, and and she says, yeah, it's that's all anybody's talking about a podcast movement. Oh man, I, I know you guys know this, but I, I don't know how much of of the audience, the U.S. audience, knows this. But when I listen to podcasts abroad, um, half the podcasts I listen to insert a local language pod yeah. uh, advertising. Right. That's so I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in thing. Italy and all of a sudden the ads are all in Italian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, this is just feels like a disconnect with the audience. But well, that's by the way, yes. going to happen to our shows too. When we don't yeah. this show, we will not, I, we've sold all the units for this show, but if we did, if we were short as we are often with this show and all of our shows, uh, we open a slot for a company called advertised cast, which is was started, was owned by Libsyn. I have good feelings about Libsyn. They started in podcasting about when I did. They're good people. I know them very mm -hmm. well. Uh, and I think Advertise Cast is very good. But yeah, you're going to get a Spanish language ad in Spain. That's that's well, part of why DAI, because they may not know anything about you, Mike. They certainly don't know mm -hmm. that you speak English and not Spanish. Right. But they know that your IP address is in Spain. Yep. So they play, or Italy. They'll or grab any data they can, they well, can get. Exactly. So Leo, I had... I had some years ago, uh, but right before the pandemic, 
basically the inventor of programmatic advertising into an event about, about the future of journalism business at my school. And he lectured all the media people in the room who were high level executives and said, why the heck are you going to programmatic? It's not meant for you. It was meant to increase some direct response. What are you doing this for? Uh, you're commodifying yourself. And one of the CROs in the room said, I don't have any choice. There's no choice. Advertisers. That's where the advertisers are. Yeah. So that's where I have to go. So a lot of the blame about the pressure here lays with the advertisers. Actually, I'm going to. Nobody I, wants to argue with that. It isn't the advertisers, really. It's the advertising the agencies. Agencies, yes. Uh, and there's a lot of weird stuff. You know, I mean, honestly, they don't give a damn. They're not. The no. advertiser, we can have a. When we have a direct relationship with an advertiser, it's always good. And it and it always results in effective advertising, and it doesn't involve snooping. But that's the agency tries to stop you from having that relationship. Yeah, constantly. the agency's almost. And you know, I understand if you're an advertiser, you don't have time to go to every podcast and buy an ad. You're going to go to an agency <laughs> and let them do it all. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's where the, your trouble. We need begin. reform in. I mean, I, people who like Shoshana Zuboff and Tristan Harris who say that advertising is the source of all the evil. Well. If we got if we lost advertising, we lose a lot of content like like this, and we lose a lot of value like this. We've got to have a discussion about reforming advertising. But I don't know how that happens. I, well, if and, I were and a what you're going to get, I would put money behind that. What you're going to get is what you're getting here, which is you're going to get a, a, ultimately a paywall or a subscriber service. We, yeah. I mean, the club has helped us a lot, but it's one percent of our audience. It's not. It's a tiny. It's be so voluntary. It's like a volunteer army. Yeah, and I don't want to put up a paywall. I partly because with tech podcasts you can't. Because the audience is sophisticated enough to get around Savvy. in a paywall. Yeah. So there's no point. There's, well, start your knitting oh, podcast. You smart geeks. You. It's much better to do a knitting <laughs> podcast. Yeah, much better. That's, by the way, it's interesting. Uh, I was just reading the Hollywood Reporter's like top 50 podcasters and the movers and shakers of the podcast world. And uh, it's all people like uh, Emma Chamberlain uh, and uh, Call Her Daddy who are doing podcasts for normal people that are not technically savvy and they're paywalled behind Spotify. Oh. And, and of course they have a lot spot. One of the reasons Spotify does exclusives is because then you have to use their app. Then they have all the information. Oh, they can your data. About you, right? mm -hmm. What's the latest with Spotify in terms of, of what they well, seem to be wanting that. to take over the industry it's and then they that. kind of pulled back. Yeah. So, they? I mean, I, I'm not a genius in this, but my opinion is during COVID there were a lot of, celebrities who didn't have anything to do maybe during the strike there aren't either yep. so they started podcasts every single one of them did and uh and spotify saw this as a real you know from spotify's point of view they're trying to get out from under the record labels they had no control over their business because the record labels told them what to pay them so they said we got to find some content so they went to podcasts and there were all these celebrities and they paid a lot of money spent a hundred million dollars on joe rogan spend uh uh 60 million dollars harry and megan too harry and megan uh got all this you know celebrity content and none of it worked out have made any money and so they've fired much much of their staff they've got you know they, sh but they unfortunately they still have to pay joe rogan still got to pay the talent <laughs> they still have to pay caller daddy so um yeah they're kind of i think that i think daniel Eck now said thinks in his mind this was a, a mistake but i understand why he did it he needs some sort of content they just announced some more stuff today for podcasters. Spotify New tools, did. customized pages, analytics, other controls. What they're trying to do is get the, – there is a vast podcast universe. Nobody makes any money, but if you get a little crumb from every one of them, <laughs> oh, okay. you can be rich. So well, they want a Google strategy. Then. Yeah, they just want to be the, the, the platform. Yeah, they want to be the platform. Yeah.
Mr. Jarvis, which is but you, really I want, said, I want Mike um, to hold on a second. I want Mike to say something because we've been talking all over him and he's been trying to get it. Go ahead, Mike. Well, no, just I, I, one point is that um, I just want, I had a snarky comment about the celebrity podcast. They're all the same. They're all exactly the same. They have their peers on and they're like, how did you get famous? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so boring. Uh-huh. And, You're but, so but, wonderful. But the, how did you get so wonderful? To make, which is the internationalization of podcasting is coming very, very soon. There's already tools out there where you can upload a video uh, and uh, it, what it'll do is it'll 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 translate the entire thing into the language, uh, any language that you choose from a menu, and it will even sync it up with a video. I thought YouTube and was so already doing that, right? And so this will be done automatically and at scale, and you'll be able to, uh, the, the Twig will be available in 50 languages automatically. And so you get this much larger audience. However, everybody's going to be doing this. And so all the podcasts will be available in all the languages within a matter of two or three years, I think. Wasn't YouTube already working on that? Or Yeah, I don't know if it's YouTube, but there are some other tools out there like that. And it's kind of fascinating. Like I've been writing for, uh, I write for Foundry. It's one of the uh, mm-hmm. companies I write for. Uh, Computer World is, is the main publication. Mm-hmm. And they translate my columns into 20, 30 languages yeah. oh. as a matter of course. And it's pretty great. I hear from yeah. people in Korea, Germany, and all these other places who read it in the native language. But I think that's that's definitely coming uh, through the magic of AI to podcasts. Yeah, we're actually uh, looking at AI translations of uh, many of our shows into what's probably start, really let's probably start with Spanish language. Yeah, it's a complicating factor for advertising, though, isn't it? Yeah, we I mean, you know we're looking at everything. Um, some of it's pretty good. Some of it, the the, yeah, the funny thing is really, I always and maybe I'm just old. I come back to fundamentals. You know, it's uh, the relationship you have as a host with your audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And, uh, and any, anything that comes in between you and the audience is a negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I thought the club was the, you know, uh, the best way to go. I think it's still think it is, but yeah. Anyway, I worry. So get to get back. F- screw us. What about big tech? <laughs> <laughs> what about big Elon, big Elon, big Elon. I don't know. There's nothing more to say about Elon. Do read that New Yorker profile. Yeah, uh, it's a little chilling only because he has so much power and there is no ability uh, to control it. To answer your question, I, I would, I would, I would, I would tweak that a little bit, Leo, and say there's no will politically to control it. Nobody's doing anything about this. True, They're too busy true. sucking up to Elon to yeah. actually say, "Hey, we have a problem. It's a systemic problem. These companies, you know, Elon Musk is not the first American oligarch to." To, to have so much power, he won't be. He, no, he won't you're be right. Rockefeller. We need a, yeah. a right. systematic approach to this problem. And no, I don't hear anybody in Washington having this conversation. No. So, I was so done with thinking he would, he would ever get punished or suffer uh, repercussions for his actions back when he was tweeting about Dogecoin and all of that back in the day. And He's still doing that and, now. Same and making all kinds of things case. happen with the market based on his stupid yep. tweets and you know, he he didn't have to pay the price for any of that stuff that DSO was done. Pharaoh writes, the meddling of oligarchs and other moneyed interests in the fate of nations is not new. During the First World War, J.P. Morgan let vast sums to the Allied powers. Afterwards, John D. Rockefeller Jr. poured money into the fledgling League of Nations. The investor George Soros' Open Society Foundations underwrote civil society reform in post-Soviet Europe. Casino mogul Sheldon Adelson funded right-wing media in Israel as part of his support of Benjamin Netanyahu. But those are influence 
Those Mur- are Murdoch. influence. Murdoch. Those are all influence uh, strategies. Musk has gone past that. They yes. need well, they, him now. Yes. They yes, need part of the, him. Yes. Part yes. of the reason is that all these other uh, wealthy companies and wealthy uh, uh, people were dabbling in the margins. Uh, Musk is involved in the national highway system in terms of the electrification yeah, of, right, the, yeah. of the fleet. He's involved in our space program. He's involved our in speech communications. Right. Exactly. But with both with both X and also with Starlink. And so it's really uh, I don't think that we've ever had a, a, a wealthy person who who has so much control over the fundamental things that government historically has been involved. And, and, and we as the voters, because we don't trust government. Uh, have have really made government, you know, turn away from that and turn to other issues. He Farrell writes in the past twenty years, against a backdrop of crumbling infrastructure and declining trust in institutions, Musk has sought out business opportunities in crucial areas where, after decades of privatization, the state has receded. The government is now reliant on him, but struggles to respond to his risk taking, brinksmanship, and caprice. Current and former officials from NASA, the Department of Defense, the Department of Transportation, the Federal Aviation Administration, and the Occupational Safety and Health Administration told me, Ronan Farrow, that Musk's influence has become inescapable in their work. Can you can you see the broad range? And several of them say they now treat him like a sort of unelected official. Yeah. And so this is what worries me is we're moving to a government of the technocrats. At least a yes. shadow government of the technocrats, if not a you know an actual de- government of the technocrats. Hold on, isn't technocrat a definition of someone who's in government? Mm-hmm. Oh, does a crat make it government? I don't know. Techno- <laughs> a better word would be technology crat. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's no, an exponent or advocate one of Pentagon technocracy. One Pentagon okay, spokesman right. told Pharaoh he was keeping Musk apprised of my inquiries about his role in Ukraine and would grant an interview with an official only with Musk's permission. Wow. We'll that talk to power. you if Elon wants us to, he told me. That much power. Somebody asked him in a podcast whether he has more influence than the American government. Musk said, in some ways. <laughs> the, the, the source for some of this is Reed Hoffman, who was one of the PayPal mafia later founded LinkedIn. Pretty good guy, I think. Yes. yes. Reed Hoffman told uh, Pharaoh, Musk's attitude is like Louis XIV. L'état c'est moi. The state yeah. is me. L'internet c'est moi. Uh, technocracy, uh, the government <laughs> or control of society or industry by an elite of technolo- technical experts. So you can have a technocracy yeah. inside government, or outside government. I think it's at okay. this point a shadow government, and it's increasing. Yeah, I think it is. Powerful. I think it is. Okay, when right. Tim Cook goes to both China and and the White House, uh, and and both defer to him because of his immense power, but he must also defer to them, which is that's part of it. It's his it's his mm-hmm. relationship, and you know, who Musk, but Musk has a different. He, Musk can can. Well, so I mean, the two things he's he said in the last week is one, I'm going to get rid of blocking, so I'm going to I'm going to ruin public discourse far more, and then two, he's going to get rid of headlines. In cards, which either is something just plain stupid or it's something having to do with France. I won't go into I that. I don't understand what he's up But he to just does these all. things where he he has the power to, in fact, do these things. That's, that's true. That's the word caprice in a nutshell. Yes, caprice. Yes, that's it. Let's take a little break. Uh, I'm sure there's some Google stuff we can dredge up somewhere. <laughs> I thought I saw it at least one time in the rundown. <laughs> there's something. 
<laughs> oh, that so, was just a title. Somebody this has week coined a new term in our uh, IRC: technogark. <laughs> He's a technogark. I like it. Nice one. An holocrat. Nice An holocrat. <laughs> our show brought to you by Panoptica. In this rapidly evolving landscape of cloud security, Cisco Panoptica is at the forefront, revolutionizing the way you manage your microservices, your workloads, with a unified and simplified approach to managing the security of cloud-native applications over the entire life cycle. Panoptica simplifies cloud-native security by reducing tools, vendors, and complexity. By meticulously evaluating for security threats and vulnerabilities, Panoptica ensures your applications remain secure and resilient. Panoptica detects security vulnerabilities on the go in development, in testing, and production environments, including any exploits in open source software. It also protects against known vulnerabilities in container images, configuration drift, all while providing runtime policy-based remediation. As Cisco's comprehensive cloud application security solution, Panoptica ensures seamless scalability across clusters and multi-cloud environments. It offers a unified view through a simplified dashboard experience, reducing operational complexity, fostering collaboration among developers, SREs, and SecOps teams. Take charge of your cloud security. Address security issues across your application stack faster and with precision. Embrace Panoptica as your trusted partner in securing APIs, serverless functions, containers, and Kubernetes environments, allowing you to transform the way you protect your valuable assets. Learn more about Panoptica. Go to panoptica.app. Panoptica. How about that? P-A-N-O-P-T-I-C-A. Panoptica.app. It's pan across optica. View. View across. Panoptica. Dot app, right? It comes from the Panopticon. I'm sure Mike Elgin knows what the Panopticon was. This I did not know. Do you know what the Panopticon is? Anybody? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, invented by uh, English uh, philosopher and social theorist Jeremy Bentham. Oh, I know Jeremy. You remember Jeremy? He's a cool guy. So the whole idea... <laughs> Jerry to you. This, no. was, this was in 1791... <laughs> The whole idea was to build a prison where jailers could observe the prisoners without being observed themselves. So the prisoners would never know when they're being watched or not. Oh. So they would always assume that they were being watched or could not assume they weren't be. So they would be careful and nice. Right. Right. The Panopticon prison. Jeremy Bentham. They also they also designed it. Uh, the idea was also for hospitals or any any number of institutions where you have lots of people that you want to watch. It's better with prisons, though. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only on this week in Google. They actually build them. They built some. Uh, yeah, you can you can uh, you can Google it. Panopticon. And there was a there was a novel uh, by Jenny Fagan called The Panopticon. See, I knew you. Which I did not read. <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd know. Uh, what's the good word, sir? What's the good Google uh, word? I think Mike put some. One of you put one in about about YouTube. Yes. I'm exhausted now. Uh, you, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so tired. I I don't. I just want to go back to bed. 
What YouTube is uh, has I put this one in in our we, oh, this is it. the change log. Which one? Which one are you talking about with YouTube? Oh, that one. Uh, is, search well, feature. I put two in. One is the one is the uh, a feature where you hum music. Yeah, and, <laughs> but no. wait a minute, didn't uh, didn't it hasn't, didn't watch McCall do that? Yeah, I thought watch McCall uh, did that. Hey, yeah, watch uh, McCall it. Shazam. That only works if you whistle into the mic. <laughs> And irritate the, the listeners. <laughs> yeah, they hate it. No whistling, uh, sound um, and you, music you, you match. Know, you know, in newsrooms, in newsrooms, it was a, it was a major superstition that you could not whistle. You did not whistle. It was like whistling in the graveyard. Really? And, and, and editors would throw things at you if you started whistling in the newsroom. Wow. Hmm. Does that I come? I feel like that's like a sailor's superstition too. Like don't whistle. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. Hmm. And no women allowed. Uh, YouTube announced a new experiment on Android devices. That, should I try it on my Pixel? That determines a song via humming. Uh, Apple's Shazam uh, does this. As noted on YouTube's support page, the video sharing platform is testing by a search by song capability on the Android version of the app that allows users to figure out a song on YouTube. But is it YouTube or YouTube Music? It says YouTube. It just says YouTube. In okay, the let me try it. Here's YouTube. Users who are, oh yeah, oh you have to access uh, the experiment, uh. and then toggle from YouTube Voice Search to the new Song Search feature. Oh, huh? uh, you, you're gonna end up on a terminal. I know it. Yeah, here it comes. Let's go to the terminal. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so you can you can turn it on, right. and but you have to. It's an experiment. So I don't know. I don't know where I was. Well, there's another story. Oh, it's only other ready Google to go story. for Google. Huh. I'm sorry. I got distracted. There seems to be a lot of bikini-rich content in my Google shorts. <laughs> <laughs> only yours, Leo. I agree with Scooter X. It seems like this is something that they've been working on for a while, and we talked about it previously. Yeah. But now I guess yeah. it's ready. Google says it's uh, it's AI. Uh Oh, I oh, see. Of course, the search AI. by song capability is only available to a small portion of Android users, oh. so don't count on it. Oh, uh, it's another one of those, those experiments. Mr. Scooter, it's found a link, sir, in our IRC uh, blog.google.products. Search hum to search. Yeah, but does that mean I can turn it on? Or that's just... from 2020. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, from 2020. Old news, but but it is new news because. It's because it's now, quote, ready, right? That's it. I Google, you know, this is Google in a nutshell. Yes. It is. It is. Well, we forgot we did that two years ago. I'm, I'm, gl <laughs> I'm glad Mr. Mr. Elgin is here because he can go ahead and go on his rant about leadership and Mr. Pachai. So whenever you're ready, <laughs> It's sir. all Sundar's fault. <laughs> Just replay the old one. Well, that does lead to the other Google story, which is uh, a roundup of all the executive changes there, which when you look at it, oh. a lot. Oh, boy. Yeah, well, we know that Ruth Porat stepped up or sideways up, yeah. up I guess. Susan Wojcicki left. Mm -hmm. uh, Urs Holzl, employee number eight, left. Uh, Wojcicki, one of the most prominent women in Silicon Valley, in February announced she was stepping back after nine years. This is from CNBC. After 25 years uh, at Google, in fact, she met Larry and Sergey when she lent her garage to them to use as their first office. Uh, she's going to start a new chapter. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine a chapter on one of her boats that is made out of 
thousand dollar bills. <laughs> Going to go back to renting the garage. Yes. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good uh, business there. Yeah. Uh, Rupert uh, Robert Kinsel, you remember, left quite a while ago. He was their chief business officer, became CEO of Warner Music Group. Why anybody would yeah. want to run a music Ooh, label is now. beyond me. Well, they're a better the shape than they used to be. I guess. Um, so yeah, this is, I mean, yeah, this is, no, I think this is pretty normal. You could do the same thing about Apple, certainly about Microsoft, uh, especially once companies, uh, once the stock gets to a certain point, people start to look at their balance and say, okay, I'm good. (laughs) How many hundreds of millions does a guy need really? Yeah. I mean, the biggest of these, I think, and it's not the the latest, but Susan Wojcicki was at uh, Google for, uh, I think she was CEO for nine or 10 years, something like that. She did a good job at YouTube, I have to say. She did. You can really credit her with a good job, a job well done. Yeah. And and by the way, just as a trivia point, her sister is the head of 23andMe. Oh, yes. I don't know if you guys know that. I didn't know that. Your mother is... Their mother's a major influencer for raising successful children. <laughs> so uh, she's also well. She's she's I, I I know her well. She's a she's the journalism teacher at Palo Alto High. Yes, yes. Right. Oh, Anna and Susan's mom. What's her name? Do you remember Esther? Esther. That's right. Esther. She's yeah. the teacher. Mrs. Arvis? teaches journalism. Yes, yes. high school. Yeah. yeah. She should teach yeah. how, what to do with your garage. How to <laughs> yes, make, right. How to make money <laughs> renting that's your right. garage. <laughs> <sighs> Text used to excite me. <laughs> and you got on britches. You got on denim. Those aren't my britches. I don't own denim. any britches that look like that. He's he's got somebody else's he's britches. Got denim on. Another sticker. Another <laughs> if sticker. If you were in the club, you know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. You got me in the club to see the stickers. Uh, Jeff, you've posted a few unpopular opinions about AI. Yeah, nobody cared. Nobody paid attention. But I thought I'd try to get it here. So I wanted to mention it because it came. It was inspired by my conversation last week with Jason on his upcoming AI show. So as we were talking through uh, a bunch of stuff before Jason did a great um, demo of something, uh, I come to wonder whether or not ChatGPT and company will give all of AI cooties. Now, anything that, that, that generative AI does and does stupidly or does is misused or lies or hallucinates in, in, in the misnomer of, of the world is associated with AI. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to come to the point where people just aren't going to trust AI because, well, you know, it messes and up all the time. more crappy AI. I, I think you're getting exactly. a little bit of that, a lot of that right now, in my opinion. Um, we, were t- we were talking about this yesterday at the editorial meeting. And mm-hmm. uh, was it you, Benito, or somebody, maybe Victor, said... Uh, yeah, I can sen- immediately sense that this is AI written, and I just skim yeah, right over. Skips yeah, right over. You've yeah, developed a, a radar for AI. What yeah. we were debating, though, was kind of interesting, and I actually have to have amend my thoughts. <laughs> so, uh, what I was saying is, we were looking. We're looking at a way because our show notes are all over the place. Some shows they're very good. Some so some they're not. It depends on the hosts. And I don't do anything, so it's not my. It's not me. No comment. <laughs> so. I just I just talk. I don't write. So uh, we were looking at AI taking the transcripts of the show and generating useful show notes. And we had a sample. And I said, you know, this is I could tell it's written by a machine. It has no point of view. It has no voice. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of generic. And I said, this, I think people are going to quickly start to recognize that kind of writing and tune it out, which is good for us because 
to the extent that we do stuff that humans create, mm-hmm. we're going to stand out. And I think it's because AI doesn't just whistle out of nowhere, right? Start humming. They, <laughs> we right. do that. Well, I was yeah. wrong. So, Anthony, so really, it was an issue of prompt engineering. Anthony Nielsen, our AI wizard here, yes, added a just basically added one line to the show notes. Try to include the hosts and guests' positions on the topic, and the show notes suddenly. I don't even know how this happened. They suddenly got emojis and they got positions. <laughs> This is this is from yesterday's Mac Break Weekly, and I thought this is better than anything we could write on this week's Info Pack Mac Break Weekly. Because really, the whole point of show notes there's twofold. One is to get people to listen to the show. The other is when they've listened to the show and they want to find something to be able to find something. So that's what the show notes are about. Our show notes are going to be written this way too, by the way, because this is awesome. On this week's Info Pack Mac Break Weekly, Leo and the guests dive into the latest Apple news and rumors, including whether you should disinfect your bacteria-ridden Apple Watch, iOS 16, and Mac us updates speculation around apple acquiring disney the evolution of corporate hype presentations and much more so here's the bullet points so at first it just said you know should you wash your apple watch band then it now the new one has a as an emoji of a bacterium and says should you sanitize your bacteria ridden apple watch those say yes to good hygiene but question this quote news that's isn't that good? good? That's good. <laughs> uh, what would improve that further is that I love the prompt. The, one of the best prompts people who are doing this sort of thing can use is to say, to specify that you want it in plain language. Ah. Because uh, ChatGPT tries to be creative and it's weird. Like bacteria ridden Apple Watch, the word ridden, like, that weird. feels like a ChatGPT kind yeah. of word. It's not a great Here's word the prompt. Like, it's just kind Here's of the stuck you in your tracks. I, I think Anthony's gotten really become the prompt. Yeah, he's ex- he's expert at it now. He says, this yes, is the prompt we gave. And by the way, it's not ChatGPT. It's something called Claude, right? Claude. I don't mm-hmm. know who Claude, Claude is. Claude is better than ChatGPT at this sort of thing, yeah. for sure. Oh, you know Claude. Claude AI. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Claude is, uh, what they have the new version um, is really good. It, oh. The, the company. Um, is it Anthropic? Yeah, Anthropic. Yes. Here's the prompt. You are a producer for a tech-focused podcast network, writing detailed, engaging and he added click-worthy notes for this episode of MacBreak Weekly hosted by, and he gave the hosts' names, which helped because then it was able to say the names. Using the attached AI-generated transcript, write the show notes in the following format, a short paragraph summarizing the episode's most important topics, followed by a bullet-pointed list of every topic discussed in chronological order. Try to include the hosts' and guests' positions on the topics. That was the prompt. So it tells it tells the AI, pretend you are. Mm-hmm. And do it in yes. that voice, and I think it it actually did it get a way wrong. to do it. Yeah, that's it did. Okay, it. so it did get one thing wrong because we talked about the Vision Pro headset, and it said it. I think because the training data from Anthropic was before the Vision Pro was announced, because it said uh, developer leaks top secret M2 MacBook Pro details. It was not. It was the Vision Pro. Mm-hmm. But did this major NDA break really reveal anything juicy? Leo Laporte is skeptical. By the way, I was. Well, I, was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't. And the other thing, uh, Anthony was puzzled by. He said, "I didn't. I don't know how I knew that was you." We did not annotate it. It just says speaker one, speaker two, speaker wow. three, speaker four. So it inferred oh, huh. somehow. Creepy. I mean, obviously that information was in there somewhere. Uh, here's Somebody addressed how, you as Leo. Here's how it wrote the discussion about Disney and Apple. Mm-hmm. Apple acquires the mouse house? Question mark. The prospects of buying Disney debated with Jason Snell laying out cases for and against and Leo doubting Apple's interest. That's good. Yeah. 
Uh, your entire staff. And the mouse house, of the mouse house phrase not good. having to write show notes. No, it's not. No, they're, they're, the, the whole point of it is using these tools. Humans are to, still going to to help us. Yeah, so yeah, I know. Get a, a a baseline to start. But it's drudgery, with, right? It's know? drudgery to have to go through it all. Well, these well, it. shows go on and on and on. No one should have to listen to them. <laughs> Wait, hold up, now, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, sir. You got to pay. Them <laughs> we we do need to have these downloads. Every week. <laughs> Please and thank you. Well, you shouldn't have to pay attention if you do. If you are forced to listen to them, you shouldn't have to pay attention. Uh, Alex Lindsay plays with trippy ambisonic microphones for surround sound experiments, but can it enhance their show audio? Those are good. That's good. Okay, so the Please, real test the is, can it make any sense of this show? Well, we'll find out. I think, <laughs> I think we're not going to roll. We're not going to do it all at once, but no. I think we're going to. We'll I was so already. at first I said, I don't want to use these. These are too anodyne. They're just boring and bad. And uh, I'm I completely was wrong. It was just a question of getting the right prompt, I guess. I wonder if you also gave it the rundown. And it knew where sources came from and things like no, that. No, right? no. Uh, except working for you so don't much. mention some of the things in the rundown. Yeah, that's a whole other Anthony, issue. did we give it the rundown? I think it came totally from uh, the transcript. Yeah, I was saying you could also give it the rundown. Oh, you could give it the rundown. The well, I don't want to confuse yeah. it. It's just a machine. <laughs> but it has to be said it has to be said that that a year ago today nobody was thinking or talking about any of this stuff right it is so early i in, and, in the and, life and of Mike, these tools you haven't been around but i have been extremely skeptical i i'm i've been saying it's a parlor trick it's bs we're going to tire of it just as we did a bitcoin and vr and mixed reality and and on and on and on and it's i just, couldn't say that uh, you did I, I not disagree. say that. After I yeah. saw what was happening with Photoshop and Lightroom and Premiere Pro and, and, and everything Adobe Sensei AI was doing, is I was like, yeah, there's there's a place for AI in the, in the creator space, whether it's a podcaster or whatever content creator. Just use those tools to help get things started and get things cleaned up and the repeatable stuff done faster so you can continue to create content. I mean, doing and, and show fact, notes Leo, takes time, you know? In fact, Leo, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that uh, one of my picks of the week is a tool that I think you are going to use uh -oh. every time you do a podcast from now on. Uh-oh. Challenge That's my accepted? prediction. Wow. And I think you're going to really get a lot of value out of Good. it. But we'll get there. I look forward to the picks it. of the week part. Nice tease. See a machine. Such a daggum pro. He's machine. such a machine wouldn't do that. No, wouldn't do that. Yeah. Wouldn't. So a few unpopular opinions about AI, Jeff. Summarize for us. Oh, uh, I'm not going to remember them. Jesus. Okay, below, he says, said. well, I got it in front of me. I will share. Yeah, no, I, he I, says, I, my I, unlikely I, unpopular opinions, he says, about large language models, he says. How should they, how they should not be used in search or news, how building effective guardrails is improbable. Which and here's how we know that Jeff tweet. wrote it, how we already have enough content in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I Sorry, hope they editor. That. <laughs> right, so I say that it shouldn't be associated with search. It shouldn't be used to write news articles. I think writing writing show notes is something very different. And the last thing the world the world needs is more content. We already right. have enough damned content. Right. We have to tell the machine to STFU. Well, in this um, case, this is the exact opposite. This is taking this is the opposite. Yes, uh, an existing yes. corpus and and synopsizing it, which is very useful. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and Let's we talked about that. That's the notebook LM that you were talking about, Jeff, that Google's yeah. doing. Yeah, exactly. That's that augmentative 
help is wonderful. I think there's a huge potential there, which I say in this piece. Yeah. So, 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 so actually, um, Jeff, I'm going to uh, push back on two of the things you said. Uh, I think that, um, that there, there are tools that are better than search that are based on, uh, on, on generative AI. One of which is find.com. I think I've recommended it on the show before mm. P H I N D.com, which is so good for search because it gives you both the search results and the generative AI result. And it tends to be pretty good. It's for developers, but it works for like us non-developer types. And the other thing about writing is that I, I, I'm I was coming fine. to believe that, that writing P H I N D.com. Okay. I'm coming to believe that AI can improve not only your writing, but your ability to write. Okay, not I, yours, Mike, I will Jeff, agree with you. But the younger people. But I, but there, I actually I have another there. pick of the week that yeah. is like right down the, and it's from Google too. So that that's stay it, tuned. Uh, Don't give it away. Yeah. Stay, stay tuned. We so, gotta so, give Mike, people let me, let me, some response to this thing. I think that uh, a augmentative things absolutely. B things that are are uh, well, my my problem is if you take Bing or take Google. And you have that blank search box and people expect back something authoritative, either a yes. list of sites the one or true Wikipedia. Answer. And we know that generative AI at large language models, large language models on the whole ether of human speech, um, they don't hallucinate. They don't lie. They have no sense of fact. They have no understanding of anything. And we know that. So to associate exactly them right. with an automated response to the public, uh, I, I think, is irresponsible. Uh, on yes. the content side, um, you know, I talked to an editor at one company I won't name. Uh, oh, well, we got to use this stuff because we're in a war to get more reviews out there. So we're going to use this stuff to make more meaningless reviews out there. And there's so much of that. I absolutely yeah. agree with you about, I've written a piece about this, about how I think these can extend literacy. They can help people write. Um, but, it, but also talking with Jason on the AI show, which I've now managed to plug three times, which is the whole point of writing this piece, by the way. Brilliant. Thank um, you. Uh, yep, yep. Um, is that I wonder that if LLMs had been re- released as fiction machines, they said, wow, look at this parlor trick, Leo. It can write a short story. It can write a song. It can write a poem. It can do all of that. I don't think there'd been the fuss about the fear of it, but also there wouldn't have been a business because creativity doesn't pay. Uh, so they had to associate it with tasks that it can't do well. And I think that's that's you know that's capitalism, boys and girls. Mr. Jarvis, let me let me yes. push back though. Um, just an example of of uh, you said the editor was like, we need we're we're, we're up against it. We got to get more of these reviews out. Mm-hmm. What about said photographer that's doing team photos for the local NFL team? Heck, they they are the NFL's photographer of choice they have to go and snap these images of the players rip the players off that background stick them onto some other background all within a matter of a couple hours and then jump on the plane and go to the next town and do it all over again and the nfl is giving them a deadline of right right now that's augmentative okay that's fine you're using it so you still took the real picture of the person right mm-hmm. and you're using it to help you do the task like show notes i'm, I'm all for that okay all right cool so, all so, for that. i think so, to make so it out of whole think- cloth I mean, you know, illustrations, I'll I'll push back on you now. Mm -hmm. Who needs a photographer when uh, everything on the Internet, every blog post, every everything now has to have an illustration, which was never true in newspapers. Right. Right. Very few of the stories. Now you need a thumbnail. So now everything has to have something. Mm -hmm. So screw it. Use the machine to make illustrations. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then who needs a photographer to go out and shoot stuff? A lot cheaper. Check this out. It's true. So, So I do massive research on AI technology and something like it feels like 
20, 30% of the articles are, are churned out by AI by this site called uh, Fagan Wasani. Have you heard about this? No, sir. So Fagan Wasani Technologies, F-A-G-E-N-W-A-S-A-N-N-I.com. All of their art is created with, with uh, generative AI and all, all of their articles. And they don't, they don't uh, as far as I know, they don't uh, say that it is. They don't, they don't admit that I've contacted them. They, they, they're ghosting me. They, they, they don't get back to me. I think they're basically Cause you're trying to talk to a machine and it would appear. Oh, exactly. But, but they churn out huge numbers of articles and they're terrible articles. I mean, they, they're okay, really yeah, they're awful. Right. Badly written. And we, we thought that, that the people who copied about.com and made content farmers were bad. Now yeah. it's just going to, it's going to overload the world with popcorn yes. peanuts. And, yep. um, uh, so it's going to fully commodify content, which again goes to the point of why shows like Twits are more important because right. you know that it comes from fallible human beings. Like, but us. it makes us appreciate well-written. That's uh, right. It makes me appreciate well-written articles yeah, more than it, well, even than so. I used to. Although which you is are going to need to concentrate on quality. You are going to flood the zone with with non-quality mediocrity, yes. right? Yes. So that might have a yeah bad effect. Although that's kind of what the <laughs> well, that's well, kind so of far yeah. Google can't tell the difference. So I have a lot of Google alerts and things like that, and it's just flooding me with this this uh, uh, whatever it is, Fagan Wasani stuff. And Google just sends it to me like it's like it's real, like it's legit. To the Atlantic, yeah. I would love to hear from Matt Cuts on this. I would love to hear how you yeah. do, you know because he he stayed ahead of all the spam spam monsters all those years forever. Yeah. Yeah, how would you? Um, Has he retired? No, he no, still he's uh, the still there. Yeah, nope. okay. Or no, actually, no. I was thinking no, no, of no. no, no. I don't know what he's. You think Danny Sullivan? I was thinking of Danny Sullivan. I think uh, Matt yeah. is yeah, Danny too, enjoying life. Danny's yeah, still yeah, working for Google. Him. Yeah, let's go ruin his day and have him on the show. <laughs> okay, Jason, <laughs> make it so. And, uh, and the AI Jason will now take over. <laughs> Boy, if we could get an AI Booker, now we're now we're talking. I'd have some very happy. Does that look like me? I don't think that looks like me. Does that right look here? like me? Um, those it biceps like... are a little bit too big to be yours. So I took my face. <laughs> I took my face. Added that. Uh, I don't know why it keeps. I'm, I keep saying I'm a man. I don't know why it keeps. <laughs> Doing, doing that. It knows the real you, Leo. It, it knows your permanent This side. is somebody put this link in. For this those is, of you, I put that up there from, from Benedict uh, Evans. He had it up there. Which is for, it's make, called make the human, human generator, generated.photos. So uh, for those of you who are listening, Leo asked it to make something and it turned him into um, Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. Linda Carter, yes. Yeah, Wonder Woman with my <laughs> face. So that's it is a, kind of his face, though. It is yeah. kind of like it's, it's, it's the fifth illegitimate cousin. <laughs> that he had yeah. it's well let's put it this way it's as as uh dustin hoffman said in tootsie he said the only hard thing about being a woman was how ugly i was <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, it doesn't seem to want to make me be me so um interesting i you know maybe it's because i'm a see i keep clicking mail and it keeps the, the, what the what models is this based off of? no uh, Oh, it's a full I mean, capacity. When I we saw just it originally, it. we just broke it. Didn't make wacky things like this. It nice made word. that's the twit. Army. It made real yeah. models kind of people you could you could believe. They're very but believable. Leo made it unbelievable. <laughs> I don't know. I believe it. I'd like to meet her. 
that's, that's incest. I think, uh, you know. I think. I don't know what it is. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you're doing yourself. It's uh, Mr. as Woody Allen said. What's wrong with masturbation? It's sex with somebody I love. Uh, <laughs> I'm full. Leo's of greatest hits. I'm full of them today, Dear aren't I? Trim shot. But a bum. There was a, there was a comedian who had a tour called "I'm the One That I Want." I'm the one that I want. <laughs> Same thing. By the way, just just circling back to Matt Cutts. Matt Cutts was at the uh, U.S. He still is at the U.S. Digital Service. No, he retired. Been, I don't know he left. retired. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, he retired, okay. and he's now on the beach, as this far as I can tell. He he uh, handed that over in uh, about a year ago. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, I don't know how much of his personal life is public, so I won't say, but mm-hmm. uh, there was a death in the family, and I think that he perhaps is just taking his time. He's since found love, happiness. Oh, yes. good. I'm glad yeah, to hear which it. Which makes me very happy because Matt's yeah. just the nicest. We love guy Matt. We love Matt. Uh, brilliant. And yeah, he did a good job during COVID at the uh, United States Digital Services. Um, yep. Really good job there. Uh, let's see. We were talking about AI. This was the AI segment, in case you didn't know. What else? New York Times considers legal action against open AI. So a judge ruled, uh, supported the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office that uh, AI could not copyright its creations. So that yeah. was a limited case in which whoever brought it made it specific that no human was involved. It was strictly from the machine, I think, to test the yeah. idea. And the, and the, the machine trademark alone. office and the judge upheld that a machine's not a human. So absent human involvement, no, you can't copyright mm-hmm. it. The, only, a, only a human can apply for a copyright. I guess right. that's... Well, but th- yes. this, this is problematic. This is obviously so problematic. I mean, obviously human is involved. I mean, it, it's like... Yeah. Uh, and, and so the, the, the... Well, you could the copyright the prompt... Probably could copyright the prompt. Well, I mean, you, they, you, well, the you software. Can only, supposedly and historically, you can only copyright the expression, not the information, right? So, so this is problematic with the the New York Times story you mentioned, and also with this idea that like something has been generated without human involvement. If somebody just refers to an AI tool while they're writing, if they if they have it generate some content and then they don't use that, did they use the AI, yes, they did. They used it as a tool, and so it, it's it's very very complicated. And what New York, the, the New York Times is, is is suing over is the extraction of New York Times content to train their models, and they're saying, well, that you're stealing. But if if the output doesn't expressly uh, phrase things the way you know, if it doesn't actually plagiarize that's fair use. the words, transform the New York so. Times. That's then how is how is that copyright? That's another of my unpopular opinions. No, yeah, I don't think it's unpopular. I think legal experts widely agree this is transformative use. Well, and the question that, is whether or not the 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 was it acquired legally? Did they subscribe to the New York Times? Did they pay right. pass the paywall? Right, but in that case, it's not so much theft. It's it was it's theft of of uh, on the paywall side, not on the AI side. Well, there's a related scandal where they well, they're they're harvesting books, and of course, you know, Sarah Silliman and other people are suing uh, because it's harvesting books, and it turns out that they're not even buying the books; they're pirating. They're, they're, they're training yeah. their models on. Well, there's there's a big model out the there. Books. Right. Book three, yeah, book three. Uh, we actually talked a little bit about this. We had a very good twit on Sunday with Corey Doctorow or mm-hmm. Rebecca Giblin. She's a professor. Did you get in three words? <laughs> I didn't need to. I was a, yeah, that was a the happy, whole idea. A happy disciple sitting at their feet. Was- <laughs> uh, Rebecca's a professor of law at the University of Melbourne. And, of course, Corey not only is uh, brilliant, but he's also an author himself, science fiction and nonfiction. Um, I, you know, and we talked about this. 
I think, I can't remember. I think they basically agreed with what we've just said. That and because well, Corey's going to knock down copyright whenever Corey Corey presents. puts all of his books online for free and legally downloadable. So mm-hmm. presumably all of his content has been ingested by books three. Um, and I don't think he's he didn't seem to mind that. He was more concerned. What was he concerned about? I've forgotten now. Anyway, Too you, bad you don't have the show notes. If I'd only from listened the AI. to the show, I would know. Um, see, this is a problem. They're so damn long. I just. I mean, uh, he's 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 very much into uh, you know um, the corporate uh, exploitation of I think uh, that's employees his, and authors yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. So I think that's his you know, bigger I think fear. Yeah. He he wants to make sure that everybody who did creative work is 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 compensated for their work and and that it's not just taken stolen on you. Good on uh, you. by these companies. He's reading the Chat GPT summary of Choke Point Capitalism, Corey, and uh, Rebecca's book, and uh, that's yeah. exactly right. I think that was his final yeah. uh, conclusion: is that's not the issue. The issue is the gatekeeper themselves yeah. and how they extract value from creative work. Uh, and co- yeah. he doesn't like so. Yes, exactly right. He says copyright doesn't solve this. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Copyright that's solves nothing. Mr. Yes. Jarvis has said that copyright yep. has been mis misappropriate has been appropriated by these big companies as a way of protecting their rights, the music industry's rights, right. the film industry's rights, not creators' rights. It's their choke point, and so yes, he's not a he's not a fan. So anyway, we'll see uh, if a federal judge finds that the uh, OpenAI folks. See, these are weasel words. Illegally copied the Times articles to train the model. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. How would it be illegal? The court could order the company to destroy ChatGPT's data set, forcing them to recreate it using only work that's authorized uh, to use. And this was what Corey would say is, well, this is just the, the owners of the choke points fighting over who gets right. to use the, right. the uh, output of, of creatives. Well, and, and if at some point we say the machine may not read, my fear is it sets a precedent right. that the humans may not read, that we will be yeah, told we do the same we're thing. not allowed to know. Yeah. Um, if somebody cuts out a newspaper article and gives it to us, we didn't pay for it, but we, somebody, a friend gave it to us in first sale doctrine. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, you printed it out home, and distributed it. Everything we talk about in this show yes. comes yes. from somebody else's article. Mm-hmm. I try to give them credit. And can be scraped. Uh, you know, <laughs> Bobby Allen wrote this piece for NPR. Uh, so I give I give him credit, but yeah, if we if we were not allowed to reuse this content as fodder for the show, well, we probably wouldn't have. What would we? So we humans do. Then the rights of the machine. Do, I'd have to say, Jeff, did you read that article on NPR about the New York Times? <laughs> you can no, you can say yes. That I was read a, it. that was a yes or no question, sir. I can't say. Could you summarize? <laughs> I could say. What do you think? And you could say, I think it's a bad idea. And I could say, I think it's a good idea. Next. What idea? What idea? We can't say what the idea. idea. I can't say. We can't say <laughs> no. the idea. We can only. It's not a good. Well, I, I was uh, I was heavily persuaded by Jerome Lanier's uh, view in The New Yorker that and we talked about this on the show, yes. I think last time I was on, yes. which is that generative AI and its harvesting, this is this is a way to uh, automate the collaboration of many, many, many humans and uh, as such, it's kind of like it's sort of the equivalent of the conventional wisdom, but in uh, at scale and in, in, in very high detail. So and, and it's also true that uh, everybody gets a different result. Right. So yeah. I don't know. It, it's it, I what I worry about is if thoughtful, intelligent organizations 
uh, are more likely than uh, dumb, unintelligent organizations to to use whatever means they have to prevent their content from being uh, hoovered up into the into the generative AI training models, right? So that just means, uh, to the extent that that's true, the the the, the content is junk, uh, is junk, right? If if the if the really high quality content, the Atlantic and and other uh, high quality publications are not allowing their information to be brought in, but this AI generated garbage or whatever is brought in, then we're just going to have like bad information in those in those generative AI models. How would the Atlantic block their stuff? From, from Well, yeah, OpenAI just recently came out with a, a, so a system a that is blocked like anything yeah, else. Yeah, they have a robot, robot, robot text, text style. Text. Okay. And New York, yeah. the New York Times is now using that. Uh, okay. and, and, and so the, the, the organizations that care will use that sort of thing, and the ones that don't care won't use those things. Yeah. And so it just biases all the information we have toward the less quality information. Right. Yeah. Well, Remember that in order to make sure a human is using a website, sites put up CAPTCHAs mm-hmm. to see if you're a robot or a human. It turns out AI bots are so good that they're 15% better at identifying CAPTCHAs than humans. <laughs> Just to rephrase that, the, 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 ro- the non-humans are better at proving that they're human than humans. Than the human <laughs> well said, Mike. Well said. <laughs> we are not human. Uh, we are sub- subhuman. And this was predicted by Google. Uh, a study conducted by a group of researchers from the University of California, Irvine, ETH Zurich, and the Lawrence Livermore National Lab, one from Microsoft, showed that AI bots are now better than humans at decoding CAPTCHAs. They even create an impression of humans being more robots than the bots. <laughs> <laughs> so the researchers recruited 1,400 participants to test websites that use those evil CAPTCHAs. But that's about 120 of the world's 200 most popular websites. The bot accuracy uh, ranges from 85 to 9 to 100%, with a majority above 96%. <laughs> These captures are so bad. You know this. We know this. That humans only do about 50 to 85% accuracy. <laughs> we fail at these all the time. But because well, the, the, the traffic light is hidden. You got this half right, so you must be human. And furthermore, the bot solving times significantly lower, of course. They're well, faster. Yeah. Humans take an average of 18 seconds to solve these things. Huh? What? <laughs> I'm supposed to click what? Where? You, you, spend, you spend 15 seconds cursing about having to do oh, it. I hate just, these. Well, just let them in. Just let them every, in. They're still sitting send here. Send this study to everybody <laughs> who uses captures because it ain't working. Who owns Capture? Google. Google. Well... And they, Why don't they fold that? CAPTCHA uh, yeah. was owned by somebody exactly. else. Then there was a, a team at Carnegie Mellon. I think CAPTCHA was Carnegie Mellon. And originally they did it uh, as a, they also did Duolingo. Their whole idea was to use human effort on stuff like this right. to build these smart engines, Duolingo, or uh, I don't know what they're doing with CAPTCHA. Google replaced CAPTCHA with ReCAPTCHA. Um. But in fact, even predicted in, when they did this that it wouldn't be long before machines yep. would be better at it. That was 2019. Yes. It only took four years. 
The other thing, I have two other beefs with with recapture. One of which is that they essentially punish people who use VPNs. Everybody should be using a VPN. Everybody should encourage that. Google, in fact, builds a VPN technology into their phones. They no, they claim uh, to caveat. to to say that they want everybody to use a VPN. But how does it punish you? With- <laughs> you? You use your VPN and start to do a search, and your phone just crawls. But you switch well, to Google's. Your search will just right. zip no, on through. I mean, I, so I, I mean, I use, I use, uh, I use Express VPN, which is great Thank and you. fast, yep. really, really fast. Google yes. punishes me and says, okay, you have to do this capture because there's something weird about your, right. your, your yep. activity. So I, I do the crosswalks and then it gives me the lights and then it gives me the buses and then it gives me the, I have to do like, sometimes I have to do four or five yeah, captures. So and the other thing is I disagree with them about like, they'll say, Oh, pick all the motorcycles. And then they have these little Vespa scooters. That's not a motorcycle. <laughs> but, but Mike's there are motorcycles somewhere. <laughs> they don't know what the word motorcycle means. That's not my problem. Anyway, it's, it's frustrating. <laughs> it's time to, it's time for like, I want, I want video of Mike doing captures. Oh, yeah. the swearing, the swearing, riveting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Google actually acquired recapture. Well, yeah. I thought so. Yeah. yeah. Yes. They did not invent it. They acquired it in 2009. And they use it to train their visual uh, AI, like uh, Street View. Yeah, it's not a surprise AI is good at it. It's been trained (laughs) on captchas. (laughs) And so so this is an example. The the, the most offensive thing is that this is an example of them just, we, we, they're getting us to do labor for them for free. Right. And so um, annoying. I don't know why we put up with it. I agree. Yeah. it's never really it's been a good. Problem. I think that's the main purpose because it's never really been a good way to prove that you're human. No, um, not at all. Okay, so now what else can we be cranky about? How about creating <laughs> real estate fly-throughs with AI? So I just put this up there just because I thought it uses AI to just smooth that out. That's not a big deal. Well, I would love to see a fly-through for the studio and offices. Oh, it looks beautiful. I mean, look at this. It looks so good. So, how, so they generated it with your phone. As you can an see app. the guy in the mirror there. So, yeah, you're using a phone, but it's just the app. It and smooths then it's, it out and, and, it's, it, and it takes nice. it. All right, that's on the App Store. Yeah, I'll yeah, make one. I'll uh, I'll do it for you, just for you. I already have one yeah, out there. Luma, like Luma, Luma AI like on the I'm, Let me see. I'll I'll pull up because I got one on YouTube that I shot. Years so ago, but you well, did it. and don't you get the theme of the show? We're replacing you. Look here, dude. Not happening. I'm. You're here not going to gonna do show notes. I'm You're not going to take photos stay. anymore. We're going to have an illustrator. <laughs> you know. Um. I think. Yeah, and I want to say I did it 360. Yeah, I did do a 361 three years ago. Oh, when 360 was hot. So and you just, will, did, what camera did you use for that? Is it was it the Insta or the Vuz? Oh, it's one, one of the 360 cams. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna put it in our Discord and IRC. So here it is in Discord, and then here it is in IRC, and it it looked okay. I like the smoothing. I guess that's the main thing. This mm-hmm. does is kind of makes it feel like you're swooping and. That's key. I'm getting it and right now. And what Insta 360 is doing with their software, pretty much just the same thing that this is touting and and yeah. if you have a good editor like mr nielsen you know because right. he understands the, the application is right on because they're trying to replace in-house visits for real estate this is marketing right, right. yeah and yeah. So they they want they want it to not just uh, 
give people a technical understanding of what the house looks like inside, but make them feel like they're walking around. And it's the feeling part of it that this is really helping with. And I think it's just a very powerful technology and real estate people, when it comes to like the, the marketing of homes, mm-hmm. they jump on this stuff. Oh, they, yeah. they were really early oh, yeah. on drone video and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. they're going to be, yeah, all Henry used to do that technology before he got into salt Hank cooking food. He was mm-hmm. a, as a drone pilot for real estate. I remember and that. he would do all those uh, videos. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This looks like you've got a, uh, a drone. One of those, uh, uh, it looks like an know, MPV. MP, that's what I was trying mm-hmm. to remember. I wonder what the raw material going into look like. But, I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was just fun. I'll that's do all. it. It's also it. better to cover. Yeah. I like it. It ain't free. Uh, oh, sorry. Well, that's all right. I'm made of money. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> how much is that? Uh, well, that's the only, all the negative reviews are. Oh boy, I didn't realize how much this is going to cost. Oh, okay. So, well, never mind. We'll see. Not that good. Well, if you're selling it to, uh, you know, you're selling a home, spending mm-hmm. fifty bucks on a fly through is worth it. Fifty dollars. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. You do not have any fly throughs yet. Already have an Illumina account? Yes, I do. What's my username? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, well, I won't do this now, but you know what? Before the next show, I'll do a, uh, you want a studio tour? I will do, oh, create your first fly-through. Okay. Just make sure you don't accidentally sell the studio. I would like to sell it. <laughs> he would, yeah, he'd be fine to sell it. I would be happy to sell <laughs> like, it. Wait a minute. Don't no need ideas. for gimbals. AI-generated camera moves. Capture indoor spaces. Uh, access, yes. Allow you to record videos. Yes. Okay. Use to tag with location metadata. Allow while using app. Yes. Yeah, this is just an Apple app. Make sure you have good lighting. Do we have good lighting? Some days. <laughs> plan, it says plan your Some route days. in advance. Open all doors. Clear moving objects. Oh, Lily, get out of the way. Where's the dog? <laughs> Avoid fast motion. Find good vantage points. Focus. By the time I do all this, turn your phone sideways. Okay. You might as well have hired Ant. Okay. Yeah, they got you Landscape. Okay. Ready? Woo. Go ahead, run around. Okay, I'm going to run around. I'll be back. All right. Ant, take oh, over the gosh. show. Open all doors. <laughs> Opening. Remove all roadblocks. <laughs> tell, tell Lily to get out <laughs> oh, of the way. Everybody finish up in the bathroom. You know. Leo's coming. <laughs> I, I, again, I, if you ha- if you have instant, I want to see the coffee machine. You're going to be able to get a, get these results already. But I get the fact that they're saying, "Hey, just use your phone instead of using it." Yeah, 60 yeah. camera. Yep, that is a good makes value. a lot of sense. But he never did say how much this thing costs. Uh, it, I don't have. No, he's going to find out when he gets back. He's going to curse me. I mean, I mean, if it, it's okay if to if pay they, for apps, people. You know, but if it's yeah, forty bucks for something like this, I don't know if that's. I mean, no. if you're a real estate professional, for sure, it's worth it. But I yeah. think they should also, hopefully they do, allow you to upload video because that way you can stitch together drone and phone video into one seamless video. That would be so You nice. can do the whole outside and fly around. and Yeah. <laughs> and he's just, he's still singing, y'all. Here he comes back. Here he comes. Coming back. He's he's not whistling into the mic. He's I wonder, I wonder what they're going to do with people. Like how they're going to munge people right, into like one these strange looking aliens. Did you say anything while I was gone? No, sir. I didn't say a word. No, it was dead silence. This, was, this was radio yeah. silence. Without you, we're mute. Worst podcast time ever. All right. <laughs> okay. Now, 
Generate fly through. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, we're still concerned about how much it's going to cost. Well, so far, nothing. <laughs> just just uh, a little humiliation. And, uh, well, you want to download it. Is $40 too much, you think? If, if, Mr. Elgin doesn't well, think that smart, it's too much for real estate. If it's real estate, no, right. I think they could, you know, right. I mean, how much are they going to make on that sale? Exactly, yeah. So that's the problem. If they're smart, they'll, they won't charge you unless you're going to download the video. They'll right. let you see it. Like, oh, I love that. that. That'd be good marketing. Oh, I'm sorry. It says, your fly-through is being processed with our generative neural networks. It will take about 45 minutes. Son of oh, a geez. Wow. And when generation is complete, you'll be able to download and share. I only shot for a minute. Wow. Wow. Hmm. Were you shooting in 8K? Hmm. Good grief. I man. got an idea. Let me do a 45-minute commercial, and when we come back, sponsors. We'll, <laughs> we'll have the video. Sponsors. Thinking. It won't be 45 minutes, I promise. <laughs> People pushing the, the club members fast forward button right now. <laughs> no, don't fast forward because you know what? I want to talk about talk to you about your community. Woo! There's one thing we really understand in podcasting is it's all about the community. You know, I used to when I was in radio, I'd call it your audience or your listeners. No, no, it's not. It's a it's a community, and it's very important whatever your business to build a community, a community of dedicated fans around your business to provide them with support to allow them to interact with you. And for that, we use the best forum software ever, Discourse. Our show today brought to you by Discourse. Discourse is the online home for your community. It is already for ours. It has been for years at twit.community. Mm-hmm. Discourse has been around for 10 years. I first discovered it when he had John O'Bacon, who wrote the book on community, on the triangulation episode. And he said, you don't have a forum? I said, no. He said, get Discourse. Discourse has made it their mission to make the Internet a better place for online communities by harnessing the power of discussion, of real-time chat, even AI, discourse makes it easy to have meaningful conversations and collaborate with your community anytime, anywhere. And I know you know because you're in the Twitter community all, all the time. All the time. I all go in there time. every day. It's fantastic. If you would like to have a community around what you do, your business, visit discourse, D-I-S-C-O-U-R-S-E dot org slash twit. You can get one month free right now and all self-serve plans. It's trusted by some of the largest companies in the world. In fact, more and more, as now that I know Discourse, when I go around and I sign up for stuff, I say, oh, they're using Discourse too. Everybody uses it now because it's solid. It's secure. It is very easy to administer. Oh, look, there we are right there. That's neat. There's our Twit Discourse. Discourse <laughs> is an open source solution. I love that. It powers more than 20,000 online communities. And I use the Discourse hosting because they do such a good job of keeping it up to date, secure. I always have the latest features without any effort on my part. If you're just starting out or you want to take your community to the next level, there is a plan for you. The basic plan is for a private invite-only community, you know, your bowling club, uh, your your PTA group. There's a standard Fantasy plan. football. Fantasy football. It's great for that. Yes. There's a standard plan if you want a public presence and unlimited membership. And then I think we have the business plan. This is for active customer support communities. It's not expensive, though, I have to say. Jonathan Balava, who is a developer uh, advocacy lead at Twitch, says, this is high praise, and I agree with it, quote, discourse is the most amazing thing we've ever used. We've never experienced software so reliable, ever. One of the biggest advantages to creating your own community. Oh, there's John Bacon right there with discourse is that you own your own data. You will always have access to all your conversation history, and Discourse will never sell your data to advertisers. It's yours. You own it. 
Discourse gives you everything you need in one place. Make Discourse the online home for your community. And all I could say is, having run this for a couple of years, you know, it's me and Paul have volunteered. We do it together, and that's about it. And Aunt, you come by, other hosts mm-hmm. come by. It, it's it's the easiest to use. I uh, I set it up to approve all new members because I want to make sure that they're part of the community. It's not mm-hmm. spammers and stuff. And it's worked fantastically. It's yep. so easy. Every morning I just go, I check it out. I don't have to do much work. One person can minister a fairly large instance. Discourse gives you everything you need in one place. Make Discourse the online home for your community. Don't confuse it with the other one, Discord. This is Discourse, like conversation. conversation. D-I-S-C-O-U-R-S-E. Visit discourse.org slash twit. You'll get one month free on any self-serve plan. Discourse.org slash twit. I am a huge fan. I love uh, it. Of Discourse. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's it. always fun to go in to twit.community on a Monday morning or a Thursday morning. I, why, oh, Monday after Monday morning after Sunday's Twit. Yeah. Or on a Thursday, Thursday after Twig. After Twig or Windows Weekly because yeah. people are fired up about something. Fired up. <laughs> well, you know, fired up. Uh, we used to, you know, we post on YouTube and we used to have YouTube comments and no one can manage that. No, no one can. There's no. no safe and easy way. It takes hours and hours mm-hmm. of moderation. Mm-hmm. So I said, we're going to have the Discord. Every show will have an entry there. It does, as you can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, people can go there and talk about the show. And we can respond. And it's yep. so much better than having, you know, any other kind of common engine. Right. It just really works really, really It's been great. really, really, really fun yeah. because it's, again, it, people are quite passionate and uh, educated when it comes to good. to the topics in there. And yeah. it's, it's really good discussions in there. Lots of, uh, lots of themes you can customize. I have it, you know, personally set as a dark mode. Of course. Theme, but there's lots of other themes and there's so many features. This is really good. Look at this. I also get all these stats. Uh, oh, I just have the I have the monthly business plan. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what I have. And they even give you, this is good, advice on your current site settings. So here's some, I can update some of my uh, themes, I guess, are ready for updates. Nice. I can look at my community health, the engagement, DAUs, MAUs. All of this is huge. Very valuable for building and maintaining community. Thank you, Discourse. Let's see. Pre-processing. Yeah, it's going to take 45 minutes. Oh, by the end of the show. That's crazy. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. It's cool. I like So, that. Leo, have you applied for, for your meta money? Uh, I should get meta money because when did... So, I was a member until... Friday is the deadline. Okay. How do I do that? So, it's it's up there. It's on the uh, it's on the rundown. Let's see here. Where was it? Um, Mr. Jarvis, can you explain meta money? <laughs> so there was a, the the the, um, the Cambridge. Don't you know what Meta Money is? And, uh, <laughs> led to a settlement, and you have until Friday to apply. And if you were on Meta at all between, I think, like 2006 and 2022, it was just a huge. Oh, really? Yeah, and I'm in there. I'm mean, Yeah, yeah. Uh, and all you have to do is say, "Yeah, I was on it." And here was my uh, uh, username. Oh, and, I don't um, remember my username. Uh, here's how you want your username. Pay me. Okay. Here we go. In Ray, Facebook Incorporated Consumer Privacy User Profile Litigation Case Number blah, blah, blah. U.S. District Court Submit Claim August twenty fifth, eleven fifty nine p.m. That's it. So, and then I just fill this out. Did I reside in the U.S.? Yes. Was I a Facebook user? Yes. Are you filing a claim for a current account, deleted account? It's a deleted account. Mm-hmm. 
And then you have to know the profile information. I think it was uh, son of a I don't username. Oh, it was probably Leo Laporte, right? Oh, I have no idea what my start date is. <laughs> oh, right. That's what they got you. You think for leaving? And then what? And then I have to give them. Oh, I can have them Venmo me the money. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And how much so money, I Jeff? I don't know. I don't know. I'll find out. It's dependent on how many people ask for it. Usually. Two and three yes. quarter cents. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's my experience. I once got a bag of pop chips as a son. Oh, you won. That's the average hey, you won. Like $35. $35, like says Benito. The average. Oh, nice. No. Yeah. I'll take it. That's a quarter right, ticket. I'll, I'll buy drinks yeah. next time. Uh, okay, good. Drinks on uh, Jeff. Well, let us know how much you get, Jeff. I don't I don't we'll do. Do I have to know my um I mean, are they gonna it says approximate. It? Oh, okay. Then, then make something yeah. up. Yeah. I, how could I figure that out? I could probably Dude, I got no idea. Your Instagram well, account might you way, figure Insta, it out. No, Leo, but I haven't I'm not even G- on the same Insta account I've been on. Uh, go into Gmail, Leo. Go into oh. Gmail and search and go all the way to the beginning of when you started getting email from, from Facebook. Facebook. Oh, you are so smart. Right? So it'll be you are so smart. So Probably I see a video seven or something like that. from 2010. Probably. Leo Laporte deletes his Facebook account. Yeah. On so YouTube. That's, thank you. So that's when I stopped. And the, the thumbnail <laughs> is me screaming at you. Hey, why are you doing say, So that? far, you're quite helpful, Mr. Jarvis. And then there's another one. Leo Laporte quits Facebook 2018. <laughs> Ah. Oh Lord! So you're you were on between 2010 and 2018 at some point. Really, but, 2018? But before that, we're not so sure. <laughs> I don't remember. I, I I can't remember my IDs because I didn't tie Instagram to Facebook. I purposely split it off because I was just testing. You're playing the show, aren't you, of me quitting Facebook? Yeah, right? episode 42, 42, episode 42, 2010. Leo deletes. <laughs> I, I was probably really peeved at the time. And you shouted at me, like, don't do it? Well, the, the, the thumbnail has me... Has me in that, 48? Uh, just, episode yeah, 48, you said? 42. 42, all right. There's, it's a five-minute... Let me put it in the chat. No, I can... Somebody's got it in our Discord. Well, because it's, it's, the, it's, the it's the snippet of it. Oh, but it was audio only, wasn't it? No, Mr. No. Howell's got no. the video in Discord there. Oh, Mr. Howell's, Mr. Howell's on top of it. Here he is. Leo Laporte deletes his Facebook account. That's such a dorky thing. Who made this up? I love it. Who, who came up with that theme? I love that. Permanently delete a Facebook account that talks about some important steps like make sure you remove your Facebook Connect logins. If you've been using that exclusively on sites like dig.com, you want to create an account. Dig. Low resolution there. That account. Dig.com. Dig. You, want to see, you want to see the studio? <laughs> so I oh, my God. The studio. Docs, There's Doc like and Gina. Oh, we have such baby faces. Anyway, you know, accidentally log in because it'll say, oh. And then, see, Jeff, we, you were in your yeah. uh, office. Be really interesting yeah. to see if he can talk. Uh, he's the new product manager, and see what he's what they're thinking at Google because this is their opportunity now. They've got an opening. They've, they've been nowhere on social, nowhere on identity. Did Google Plus? Google. The <laughs> right. This is this oh, is we're your make fault. Mike sad now. It's your fault. Mike's gonna get all. There sad would be no Google him. Plus without Jeff Jarvis urging them. Was by saying, "Don't worry, we're just." Gonna-. Well, that's Google's opportunity is to have you. Oh, I don't think I actually you know, deleted it. I just showed road. you. There are oh, wait a minute, I did. There you go. Looks like we have to start sitting Shiva for you. So that's it. 
I think you're right. What I will do is create a Leo Laporte account. So there you go. Like we have to start sitting in Shiva. I think that your account now has been deactivated. Oh, yeah. And will be permanently deactivated within 14 days. If you log in, your account will be reactivated. I must have logged in and reactivated. There you go. Like we have to start sitting in Shiva for you. That's it. I no longer. So I guess I had another account. Huh. So Facebook. So you could file for two. Oh, maybe I get two pop chips. Uh, the uh, Facebook user privacy settlement.com. Facebook user privacy settlement. For those of you who are listening to the show next get week, your sorry, you're a little late. Too late. That's why you got to midnight PT this Friday. Download immediately. <sighs> Meanwhile, Meta has uh, this week supposedly Threads is going to get a web-based interface. That's really the big thing holding me back, right? Yeah. Me too. Me too. I I have the Android app running on my Chromebook because I can do that. Because right. hey, Chrome, uh, it's a little flaky, but it generally works. But the engagement on threads is just nowhere. A blue sky is so much more for me. That's, that's, that's the key curious. for me. That's the key for me. What do you, what, yeah, do, yeah. what do you use? Uh, what do you use, Mike? Well, to 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 get at threads, I use the, no, my my iPad. No, no. What what do you use? So, what 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 do you use them all? What are you still I using? Use, X? Yeah, Instagram, Facebook. I use uh, Substack, Notes, Blue Sky, Mastodon, T two, LinkedIn, Tumblr. Wow. Uh, how do you, but see, he is you don't po- creator. you like spend an hour each day posting to each of them? I mean, how do you? I, what I do is uh, my routine is that while I'm waiting for the coffee to kick in in the morning, I go through all of them and just check, see if anybody replied or commented on something or whatever engagement. And by the time I'm done with my coffee, I close them all and I, I try to ignore it all day. And then during the day, I'll pretty much only post on Substack notes, which, um, I'm the only person in the world who uses Substack Notes, so it's just me talking to myself mostly. Oh, that's but, a, it um, looks like like a X clone, right? Yeah, I, but but Substack Notes is the is the prettiest social network. It's Mastodon, it isn't it? The, isn't it Mastodon? Uh, no, it's no, no, not. No, no, Substack Notes. No, no, no. It's oh. it's a uh, that's one of the problems with it is it's medium. Medium has a Mastodon. It's medium. Medium does. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think uh, Tumblr is also on the on, on the Fediverse, but. But Substack notes, um, I use it because that's where my newsletter is on Substack, and Makes I sense. and um, a lot of smart people. And just like last week, I think it was, they added the ability to follow people instead of having to subscribe to their newsletter. Which is, you know, I have I have the default set for my newsletters that I subscribe to on Substack to come to my email. So every time there's somebody I just wanted to follow on notes, I would have to subscribe to them and get their email into my inbox mm. just so I could interact with them. But now they have follows. So it's a regular social network. Nobody cares. It's like not even part of the conversation about social networks. Mm-hmm. But I like it. It's pretty. I, my heart is still with Mastodon. But if you're yeah. really yeah. looking oh, for yeah. a, Twitter, a Twitter replacement, I think yeah. Threads or Blue Sky, those are the two. Well, like Jeff said, I mean, the, the, in, in, from the engagement front, like Jeff said, Blue Sky is more consistent you you more consistently get engagement on Blue Sky in that sense is more Twitter like on on I use Mastodon I use the the basic Mastodon uh, server of uh, instance mm-hmm. and 
it's like, it's either the engagement is kind of low or it's massive. Like right. sometimes if something like takes off on, uh, on the Fediverse, it's just gigantic. I, I get hundreds of, you know, reshares and comments and all that kind of stuff, which is great. Um, but it's far less consistent than blue sky. They're both, they're both great for, for engagement and both of them are better than Twitter these days for engagement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So here is uh, Mark Zuckerberg's post on threads, actual footage of me building threads for the web <laughs> rolling out over the next few days. He looks a lot younger than I expected to be. And I didn't know he sat yeah. like that with his knees up. As, um, he has a phone with and, a, oh, that's, that's, that's a, a HP 35 calculator. It's hysterical. Oh. Uh, laptop, what's the drink man. you think? I don't know. I think he made it into a bong because there's a lighter right there. So. <laughs> I don't know. What kind of laptop is that? I wonder. I can't remember. Oh, look at that weird rest, wrist rest. Yeah, this is obviously Mark in the early days of mm-hmm. Facebook, and he's just taking threads yeah. and put it on top. It's of in it. his college dorm room. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty, actually, it's a great, yeah, it looks like a Harvard desk. God, they had crap. Making hot or not or whatever that thing yeah, was. Yeah, right. Uh, so uh, I have, I don't know how you get to uh, Threads web. I, I, if I go to threads.net, threads. it just says download the uh, the app. I can't find a link for yeah. threads.net slash your user handle will take you to your profile. But there, oh, at least right now for me, not- there's still no option to create a post here in the web. Okay. Yeah, I don't think not it exists. I don't, the web doesn't. Right, that's existed for a while, Ant. Yeah, yeah, but um, but they they're rolling it out. So I was like, well, yeah. at least look here and see if they put a yeah. button there. So I can't. Yeah. But the, the, he said in the next few days. Uh, of course, he also said that was him. So <laughs> <laughs> it was I him. I don't know. It was him a long time ago. Blue Sky is like exactly like Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there is the promise. Both have promised to be part of the Fediverse. Neither has lived up to that promise. Not yet. We'll see. We're watching. At least they got a web interface for threads. Uh, Blue Sky has never promoted the web interface, but you told me about it. Staging.bsky.app let's uh, use it in the web. I got an invite. I'm going to put it in the IRC. Somebody in our IRC mentioned. Yeah, don't don't Doran so, wanted wanted a invite. I'll put put that invite in here. DM right him. Now. Don't put it in public, or it'll be yeah, because because then everybody's going to use the pile. Same oh, I don't know how to. De- oh, let's see. Message was it Doran? Yeah, it was Doran. Doran okay, yeah. Doran. We'll see if this works. I I would love for one of these to uh, be the incumbent, but this shows you how why it needs to be centralized. Because unless yeah. it's centralized, you don't get critical mass, Whoops, and if you don't get critical work. mass, it's not. Well, I don't. Experience. I don't think we know that yet, Leo. I don't think we know that yet. I think Good. I hope you're right. Because as really I said, I, I support the Federation. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Mastodon, I mean, I don't mind that Mastodon is a quiet little backwater. That's fine well, that's with great. me. And we run our own, you know, twit.social. I, so. I, I have very good engagement on Mastodon. So oh, it's yeah. interesting. What do you think is, you said, Mike, that it's sometimes high and sometimes not. Is it based on the yes. content or... Yeah, based on the content, I mean, I, I mean, you, it's hard to predict what will go viral, just like yeah. anything else. But I, I, what I mean is that sometimes I post stuff and it's crickets, uh, which is fine. And then sometimes I post stuff and it just launches into the stratosphere, and that doesn't really happen to me on Blue Sky. I get like, you know, I get one or two, three, four or five comments on every post. I get a, a, a somewhat predictable number of likes. So I'll get minor bumps, but when things when you, when when things go viral on Mastodon, they really go viral. 
Yeah. Um, Mike, I wonder if you find this. So when I read the papers in the morning, papers, air quotes in the morning, um, <laughs> and I find links I want to share, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll hit the Twitter button because it's convenient on the Washington <laughs> Post, right? Copy and paste that, put it in a blue sky, put it in a Mastodon. Yeah. Once in a yes. while, put it into threads, but threads doesn't always want me to copy, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Paste. Um, what I find is that some, the same exact item, letter for mm-hmm. letter, yeah. can take off on blue sky, but not Mastodon, and then on Mastodon, but not blue sky, or then yes. on both. It's, same. It's, 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 That's right. It's, yeah. No run totally reason. unpredictable. Yeah. yeah. I see the same thing with mine. For me, the engagement ranking is, is number one, Twitter. Number two, Instagram. Number three would be twit.social. Um, yeah, twit.social. And even- Is that the only way to rate one of these things, though, is how much response you get to your No, posts? it's not. It's just one way. No, um, right. It depends on who you ask, because if, if, if you're a brand- you want yeah. to see some response. But see, that's, I don't, and that's one of the things I like about Mastodon. It's kind of not a brand mm-hmm. thing. And so I go, but see, this is the problem. A lot of the reason I would go to Twitter is as a read-only site mm-hmm. to see what's going on, what people are talking about, to laugh at people mm-hmm. and what they're saying about the Golden mm-hmm. Globes or the Super Bowl. All of that was mm-hmm. fun. And that was, uh, and that required a massive mm-hmm. people. And Mastodon doesn't do that. Blue Sky and Threads could maybe. I don't. I don't know. I don't want to support Threads because it's meta. Uh, Blue Sky, at least, it's still Jack Dorsey. I'm not a fan, mm-hmm. but at least it's kind of with a more open ish ish idea. I want. I mean, honestly, I think to me, I, I think it's the quality of the engagement, not the quantity. Quality, and yes. you yes. you get yeah. high quality engagement on on Macedon pretty pretty regularly on blue sky. Like I've stepped on some landmines in blue sky where just the jackals just came out. Really? It's, it's kind of Politi- yeah, political you know, talk or what? what happens with me on Twitter. If it's anything um, that's, that's remotely political, even though I didn't intend yeah. on it to be, but you know, it, it, it strikes a nerve. And that's what about, fine. what about the other ones? What, what about I, T2? Is that still in the, I have the account. I haven't launched it. I just yeah. got the account. It's, the, the, the engagement there, in my experience, is not I, like I'm not super. I don't have a ton this of followers. Is, this there, was the started by is, former Twitter employees, mm-hmm. so it's yeah. very Twitter like. Yes, uh, it's you know it's there's not a lot of activity there. It's just kind of yeah. You know, to your point, Leo, I don't think it's at all about quality. It's just do you find yourself in an interesting conversation? Did someone yeah. say something interesting in return? That's how I would define engagement. Most of my um, conversations yeah. would come on Twitter. Granted, I, I I try not to pay social any attention just for my own mental health. Um, so I go in there periodically to at least look for someone that replied because otherwise it's just auto post stuff coming out from, from mm-hmm. my computer. I, I generally stick stuff in this scheduler and and walk away, you know. Because it's just better peace of mind instead of trying to figure out, I need to post right I, now. I, I, I feel, post right now. No. <laughs> Maloney. But for those who are like uh, looking for the engagement uh, uh, on their own posts, I find that it's like less than half of what it used to be mm-hmm. from a year ago. Um, it's just a lot of people wandered away. A lot of journalists have been uh, disillusioned and wandered away. So many oh, well, people. That's what I found. I'll, I'll, go ahead. For me, the Instagram engagement, because I ranked that number three, it's funny to me because most of my posts on there 
or I'm, I'm actually trying to post and I'm only posting to stories. I'm not even putting, you know, in the actual grid thing, I'm putting it to stories for people that actively follow me. So, um, I'm like, why, why does that matter more? Because most of the time it's not even photographic. It's just a, a caption of something or, or something random that I saw in the house with the dogs and, you know, but that stuff gets a decent amount of engagement more so than my photography does there on that platform. It really does. And, and, and people like want to know about you and your life on yeah. Instagram. So interesting thing. I, I was off in, um, Instagram for years Mm-hmm. And then when threats came out, I wanted to try it. And you have to have an Instagram have account. An account. Yeah. So I launched a new Instagram account like last month or something like that. Uh-huh. And so I have just a couple, 300 followers or whatever it is. And, and I'm just posting, I'm just using it for photography. Just like, mm-hmm. here's a picture that I like. Um, and I'm not trying to like put any other kind of content and the engagement is, is pretty good. And I'm actually kind of enjoying it. It's, it's, um, uh, and, and threads is, is, is like that as well. All that I don't put the pictures, uh, on threads, mm-hmm. but you're right. it's like the engagement on Instagram is pretty good. So Mike, to your question about, about people leaving, uh, this is from my numbers of the week, uh, nature <laughs> magazine reached yeah. out to 170,000 scientists who were, or still are on, 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 as Leo would like us to say X. Well, that's what it Not is. 9,200 responded, which is just a, a lot of response. So it's among the respondents, yeah. right? More than half reported they've reduced the time they spent on the platform. Just under 7% have stopped using it altogether. Mm. 46% have joined other social media platforms, such as Mastodon, Blue Side, Threads, and TikTok. So there, yeah. there are, there are you know, bits of um, flight going on yeah. away from X. I think it mirrors what's happening with journalists as well. I think, you know, it's, it's not satisfying because you want everybody to leave or nobody to leave. If nobody left and they could, yeah, it's like a job, to each other. right? Uh, yeah. But this okay. job sucks. I want everybody to go. Uh, yeah. But like lots of people left. So it's like worse, but it's still not, you know, and everybody went to different platforms. So it's like, it's been a dispersal of scientists. Um, that's kind of go? the problem is in, in COVID we knew where to go. You all go to Twitter or in my case, Reddit. Reddit Reddit still, even despite mm-hmm. the problems they've been having, still is a place people use. Mm-hmm. And that was where I was getting the best up-to-date COVID information. In fact, Jeff, you had yeah. that great Twitter list of, of COVID mm-hmm. experts that you could follow. I wonder how many of them are yeah. still on. Yeah. I still go to it, but I don't know. There is, no, but there is no place like that now. There really isn't. I guess yeah. Reddit That's right. has survived its thing. And then now here I am on X, and look, there's a great picture of, uh, of Micah. And Lisa and uh, Max and Ryan, our sales team, and Micah's helping them out at the podcast Move It in Denver. <laughs> so, see, there's still some good people on X. Uh, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Although I should come back and say, hey, now that I'm not competing with the name, I like it. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Do that. I don't have to worry about Chief Twit anymore, though, do, right? No, you, 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 should, you should post that just to see what happens, you know, because he... People would fall over, right? If anybody was still there. Yeah. Hey, speaking of all this, I want to tell you, September 10th, Taylor Lawrence is going to be on Twitch. She, of wow. course, yeah, I finally got her. I don't, it was hard to get her, but she's she has a book. A book. Promote. Yeah, she's promoting her book, which is fine. In fact, I'm going to right. try to read it before uh, before she comes. What's it called? Always Online? Something like that? I can't remember the name, but uh, uh, I will find out before she's on. I promise you. <laughs> Um, in fact, I will get a copy of it. Extremely online. Extremely. The online. untold story of fame, influence, and power on the internet. It'll yeah. be great. 
she is a lightning rod for this stuff. And yet, I don't think there's any reporter who covers it as well as, uh, no, as she does. Uh, she's as a reporter. Bravely. I mean, there's people like Dana Boyd who do a better analysis of what's going on. But as a reporter, she's very good mm-hmm. and uh, and kind of an Internet native, which, you know, I think we got to listen to the Internet natives on this. Well, let's take a little break. Uh, I didn't do the change log. Maybe I'll do the change log. Then we'll take a little break. How about that? I don't want to keep you the boss. The Google change log. The Google change log. YouTube is testing a much smaller skip ads button. <laughs> well, uh, find it if you can. Yeah, find it if you can. We're this is a. Uh, from search engine land, we're testing an update, says Google, to the design of the skip ads button across all platforms. Our goal is to provide a more consistent user interface experience in, in, in line with the updated look and feel on YouTube, which in last. What we really did is we just don't want you to skip any ads. Mm-hmm. So we're going to put this little tiny, little tiny button on there. It is it is irritating how you can get rid of a of a takeover ad, but they hide. It's, it's like the worst captcha. They yeah. hide where you find it's a box, it's a leave, it's a this, it's a hit. They have always button. said, no, this is good because then advertisers don't pay money for somebody who's not interested in their product. We get feedback about which ads are working, which ones are not. We like the skip ads button and advertisers like the skip ads button. Maybe that wasn't true. No, maybe they weren't true. Hey, good news. Podcast lovers, YouTube music is going to support using RSS to subscribe to podcasts. They've really got a lot of podcasts in YouTube music. It's this whole tab dedicated to it and stuff, mm-hmm. which I'm not crazy about. I don't get, I don't use YouTube music. F- I use it for music, right? But uh, you use every- Spotify for music too, but I don't use Spotify well, for podcasts. Well, I should say you yeah, don't. Neither do but, I. Yeah, neither do I. people but do. Some people do. Yeah. You know, uh, this was actually at Podcast Movement this week in Denver. Uh, YouTube's podcast leave revealed that uh, YouTube music is expanding RSS. Support. They're also testing uh, the ability for creators to upload podcast f- episodes via an RSS feed with YouTube creating a video version for audiences outside of YouTube music. You know, we do we we don't have any audio only shows or do we? No, we used sorry. to. We used to. But and when we do it, do we just put it up on YouTube with us with a with the steel card? Yeah. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people do that. Feature will launch fully end of year. Also confirms podcasts will go live in YouTube music in more countries through the end of 2023. Uh, globally available uh, by the end of the year. Right now it's U.S., Canada, and Latin America. I, I like this. Uh, it's good this news. Not, because it's not about podcasts. It's about RSS. And so you have a major, major, major embrace of RSS. I mean, I, I think uh, Google damaged RSS when they killed yes. Google Reader. And, mm. and I think to a large extent... When companies like Google embrace RSS in a big way like this, it's sort of like it, it makes the world safe for RSS. And, and I if, as Dave Weiner would say, if it ain't yeah. on RSS, it ain't a podcast. Thank right? you, Dave. On Spotify, it's not a podcast. It's not a podcast. But, but RSS also is important for non-podcasts, right? For, yes. for content oh, yes. generally. We're, we're always talking about social networks and how they're failing us and all that. But as a source of news, you don't want to get your news from social that's a terrible place to get your news. RSS feeds are way better uh, because you can curate them carefully. You can control it. And it's not algorithmically, not necessarily algorithmically controlled. Mm-hmm. And so I just love anything that boosts RSS and makes makes it, uh, you know, uh, more of a force on the Internet. Mr. Elgin, do, do, I hate saying it like this, but do normal people get what an RSS feed is? 
in your experience? Uh, probably not. That's, probably not. that's like, the thing. But, they, but normal they people did know what Facebook is and, and, and what Twitter is and say, you're so and so posted yep. a news story on Facebook. So that's where I'm going to get yeah. my news. Well, some folks, not right. everybody. Yeah. I, yeah. My official, I don't, I'm not quite as purist as Dave Weiner is. Of course, he created the RSS standard. <laughs> so he has a strong. Yeah. I wonder, wonder why he would be a purist. But I, I, I honestly, in fact, it's one of the reasons I don't even like the word podcast that much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just content on the, it's audio or video content on the internet. Right. And uh, if it, you know, if you want to watch it on YouTube as a video, that's fine. And we put it wherever we can. Right. I, I love RSS. I'm with you, Mike. I think RSS is really important and I use an RSS reader and so forth. Yep. So anything that supports RSS is good. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's it's unfortunate that we have this notion of well, what's a YouTube video then? Is that a podcast? What's right. a, so I, it's silly. It doesn't it's it's a right. it doesn't matter. It's content right on the internet, and mm-hmm. you get it however you get it, and whatever's convenient for our audience. That's what I'm going to support. I'm not going to the content it. is what matters, and, and 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 flexible delivery is also that's matters. It. But, yes, make it easy. And, yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Thought, uh, but and, and your choice. I think that's Dave's point is that when Spotify and yours too, when Spotify tries to take it all over, so you have to use Spotify, then it's, no yeah. mm-hmm. then it's that's no terrible. Problem. That's bad. And um, RSS the, has real and, advantages because no one owns it. Uh, it. It doesn't give information about you back mm-hmm. to the podcast. Right. Uh, you're private when you use it. Uh, there's a lot of real advantages to it, I think. Real advantages. And uh, since we're griping about the, 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 the use of the word podcast, what really bothers me is when podcasts shorten that to pod. Oh, last week on oh. pod. It really bothers me because podcast is like the iPod and the medium, right? The medium on the podcast on, on an iPod. That's the origins of podcasts, right? The the pod part is the device, mm-hmm. and the cast part is the medium. If mm-hmm. anything, they should shorten it to cast. Well, uh, Mike, no, spoken no, I like think an we old call man, it. Mr. Elgin. Yep, thank you. <laughs> Can I Mike? tell you? All right, I'm going to tell you a little story. It's a netcast. It's a netcast. It, well, first of all, I've always I agree with you 100, percent Mike. <laughs> the other day, Lisa and I are talking. Actually, we're in bed. We're conversing at night, and she calls them pods. I've never done that. And she calls them pods a lot, and I kind of grind my teeth. I finally said, I, I, why do you call them pods? I don't like that. She says, she got mad at me. We had a fight. She said, everybody calls them pods. What's wrong with calling them pods? That doesn't make it right. I no. said, I, it just bugs me. It's, it, I, I think I said, ew. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she's right. Because after she said that, I said, does really, does everybody call them pods? And yeah, everywhere, even Sad Very to say, common. in the New York Times it's and elsewhere, you. you'll yeah. see you. the political, the political pod, podcast people call, say it a lot. Yeah, sorry, Mike. maybe that's where she gets it because she yeah. listens to the Daily and to yeah. Pod mm-hmm. Save America yes. and all that, and they call them pods. Right. When people call yes. a blog, and Ariana Huffington was the one who started this. When you call a blog post a blog, I brought that, that up. Crazy. Mm-hmm. She. Yeah. I brought that up. I said it's like calling a blog post a blog. Right. The blog you lost is the old <laughs> lo- container. We've lost. Yeah. I'm an old yeah. fart. That's what I basically came yep. down to. Is I guess I'm just old fashioned, but that's just yeah. you know. Yeah. I also like the Harvard comma. You know. And I'm and I'm only kidding, Mister. <laughs> it's Elton, Oxford, just so you know. All just right, Oxford. Harvard. Call it whatever you want. I like to think it as the Yale comma myself. Uppity Americans. <laughs> <laughs> Google Photo is. Uh, oh wait a minute, Google's new feature. I like this. Ensures your pixel hasn't been hacked. You have this on your Chromebook. Uh, a little CRC or some sort of uh, hash 
that says that the firmware hasn't been modified. Oh. Google calls it pixel binary transparency. Transparency. If you yeah. have a pixel, uh, the it proves that the pixel handset is this is as intended as delivered by Google, uh, not one that's been modified at the software level. Uh, this is part. This is uh, the existing Android Verified Boot feature does the same thing. Uh, so, in other words, not rooted. The different. Yeah, well, well the difference seems, is yeah. that. Go ahead. The difference is that this is a tool that you can just arbitrarily say, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to check right to make sure that it's I'm it's still it's still an unmodified uh, uh, software in my in my system. Nice. You can just do that arbitrarily and not just when you're you know mm-hmm. downloading it or whatever. So it's it's great. It's great for security minded high end users. Essentially, the 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 great unwashed will not be using this feature. Yeah. Um. So the instant, so the Android verified boot, the instant an Android device boots up, it looks for a software signature verifying that all's well. The software is untampered with. The boot process continues. Um, I guess, I guess you're the pixel pixel binary transparency you're saying is on demand. Uh, right. Yeah. So that's good. You need both. Those are that's yes. good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. Uh, Google, I have to say, Google does a good job of security. I always trusted their security. Yep. I don't trust their yes. economic motives, but I've always trusted no. their security. Google, I fo- trust. I trust. I like their security and their transparency. Yeah, things like uh, Google Takeout, all that kind of stuff, where they tell you exact. They'll, they'll show you everything you ever said to Google Assistant and so on. They're, they're good in that in that sense, better than average. Yeah. Uh, although, have you ever tried to use a Google Takeout? Download. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have not. Yeah. I you got the data, it. but it's not exactly yeah. The form it's you there, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I got everything from Google Plus, and it's just been it's just been sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a bunch since. of XML. I unzipped it, and that was it. But yeah. I haven't opened yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. So I have twice downloaded my entire Google Photos data set. Once manually Ugh. unzipped it and processed it and had a bunch of scripts and stuff, that was a pain. One of our sponsors, Milio, imports them directly, mm-hmm. does all that directly, and it actually does it. But it, unfortunately, and this is, I'm sure, Google's doing, it's lost the creation date on these uh. things. So the creation date is wrong. Mm. So my my pictures oh. are sorting. So based weirdly. on your download date. Yeah, it's got all the, all the Google Photos have. A recent day. Google Photos is rolling out new editing tools for the web. This is one thing that always got me angry is Google bought Picasa saying, oh, we're going to incorporate all those tools into Google Photos. And then they did did a little bit of it at a time. Uh, Now there's a new editor. It's uh, Google's uh, 9 to 5 Google blog. Posted it on, uh, saw it on, noted it on Monday. Uh, Look at the suggestions tab. There's preset color options, granular image adjustments, aspect ratio tool has been enhanced basically it's the same um, editing ability on the web now that you had on the mobile app so there wasn't always parity there is now the web editor is available to everyone except for the dynamic option which is only available if you're a subscriber to google one so play with your photos.google recently i was trying to use one of those magical tools of google photos where it would fix the focus Mm -hmm. for you Mm -hmm. and my tools are not showing up on my phone. Um, 
what am I doing wrong? I go to the photo inside of the camera app and mm. the camera roll. I go to Google Photos and look there. It's not there. And I'm like, what happened? Mike, you, you use Google Photos a lot. I know because I subscribe to your nice book. And, yes. Uh, and when we did the um, uh, Gastronomad Tour to Oaxaca last uh, Halloween, uh, you posted all those photos there, which was great a great way to for everybody to share their yeah. photos. Um, mm-hmm. Do you use the editing tools there or... I- I do. It depends on it depends on the how important the picture is. So for experiences, I use Apple Photos and other tools on my MacBook Pro for just snapshots and just random things. Maybe I'll just boost something a little bit in Google Google uh, in the built-in tools on the on the iPad, which have been until now better than uh, than than elsewhere. But yeah, I, the the thing that's um, bothering me about google photos these days is that it seems to be getting slower and less capable it does sometimes feel slow doesn't it it's i'll, kind of I'll do a search and, and it just goes blank yeah right and then i have to restart it and it's just getting slower and more bogged down and i just feel yeah. like they're kind of neglecting it uh not throwing the resources on it so this nice book was what i built to replace facebook and tried to share it with as many people as possible and it's, it's still I, I i still like it like it's still oh it's wonderful you know, i still yeah I still use it and you know just it's just for friends and family and, and, and whatever. And it's just slices of life that yeah. has no other place to go. So, um, yeah, I, I recommend that, uh, that people do that. Although I have some disgruntled Apple users who don't want to get anywhere near, uh, <laughs> they uh, can use the Google web. photos, cough, Nadia, cough. <laughs> um, so, um, but, uh, but yeah, other than that, it's great. I, I have a bunch of albums, uh, that my I my favorite feature is the partner sharing. So uh, yeah. when I take pictures of with and Lisa's in them, it'll automatically Lisa will get them in her Google Photos right. automatically. I don't have to think about it because she would always say, "Oh, send me those pictures you took." Mm-hmm. Now it's just automatic. Same thing with my daughter; she wanted all the pictures I've ever taken, thousands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just made a, I, I share with Amira like we. I got all of her; she gets all of mine, and it's just super convenient. Yeah. It's like you become indifferent to who takes the picture. I do not use Gmail, but maybe if you do, you've noticed uh, occasionally a new verify it's you prompt. This is happening when you attempt, quote, sensitive actions, uh, either creating a new filter, existing filter, editing existing filter, importing filters. When you add a new forwarding address from the forwarding and pop IMAP settings, when you enable IMAP access status, uh, because bad guys might do it, so... Here's what you might see, a critical security alert, an attempt to set up forwarding in Gmail. Google stopped this attempt, but if this wasn't used, someone else has access to your account. And then you can click a box that says, oh, no, that, that's me. Verify it's you. Um, rolling out starting uh, this week. Good. I don't have a problem with that. Google, email is the single most vulnerable point of attack. For everybody, mm-hmm. and it, and your yep. email account should be as secure as you can make it. Yeah. Google TV is getting an update, uh, which includes NFL Sunday Ticket integration, just in time for the season. Yes, sir. And more free channels. I like Google TV. I use the the thirty five dollar Chromecast with Google TV is great. That's good. It really does a good job. It's if you're looking for a four K streamer, you know you don't want to spend one hundred eighty dollars on an Apple TV, which is probably that or the Shield, the NVIDIA Shield, which is even more expensive. Those are probably the 
cream of the crop, but this for mm-hmm. the price, there's nothing better. I think it's better than a Roku even. Uh, Google TV. Getting an update for the big NFL. College Hardhead just left for college and I had to get his his Google account to log in so he can watch YouTube TV up at college because I had to log in at home so it says okay he's in his home address right log out and then he could fire it up in northern Oregon yeah says okay now you can watch it for three months yeah I think (laughs) by the way that's the best deal of YouTube TV Mm -hmm. is you get six family members Mm -hmm. can can use it so everybody in my family has YouTube TV access and their own DVR and all of that whenever that little prompt comes up you just got to let me know hey can you log in at the house for me okay that's the big so so I was wondering, because that's the, the geographic, what's your, are you in your home area? Is mm-hmm. this your new home area? We tried are you VPN now in and Oregon? And, yeah. So just logging in, definitely. So he, he'll text you and say, dad, can you log in at home just so that they know that mm-hmm. you haven't moved? Just log in and let a video play for that. a few minutes and, and that's, that's it. <laughs> so expensive. I wish Google TV, I mean, uh, YouTube TV weren't so expensive. Yeah, that's off, the thing. Yeah. yeah, it's expensive. It's, it's basically a cable subscription. Mm-hmm. So turn off the cable. and But I only have it for five months. You're just doing it for NFL. Yeah, smart. Just for five months. Gmail for Android and iOS has a new translate feature. Again, I don't use Gmail. Have you seen this? A native translate capability. So it's on the server side. So uh, when you get something in a a language you don't normally speak, uh, you can detect it and translate it. That's pretty cool. You probably get a lot of lang- uh, Spanish email and stuff, from Mike. Or you do too. Yeah. yeah. I still. I mean, but the, but go ahead. Majority of the stuff that I get that is in another language is, you know, fraudulent Spam. email of some yeah. kind or another. I yeah. mean, uh, even though we travel a lot, everybody that I interact with via email speaks English and, and does, you know, not only can, but does use English. Right. Because uh, I was on that. Team. I guess there's a couple of exceptions. Because I was yeah, on the CES Asia list, I still get some of their the vendors from CES Asia from time to time. Um, some because of my last name is French, yeah, <laughs> and my email is laporte at gmail dot com. Do you get a lot of love letters? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what this means. Vous nous avez oublié. Votre magasin serait content de vous. I don't understand. Like, is that so a store? You, you can show this. Have. It's okay to show this. So notice it says, oublier, I know means forgotten. You have forgotten? Have you forgotten me? Translate message. Have you forgotten us? Dear customer, your store would be happy to offer you new loyalty points during your next visit. Your store team. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who the store is even. But I know it's... See what I mean? Yes, it's garbage. But I get a lot of French garbage. I I got a a whole French one um, and I hit the translate and it was just instant. Yeah. Yeah, watch. Here's a long one. Watch this. Go ahead, show it. Translate message. Bonjour, bon. Monsieur Laporte. Hello, Mr. Laporte. Hello, Mr. Laporte. I'm sending you this email as part of your health guarantee and your online quote request. Are you still looking? I never looked. Never I'm in the United States, mate. <laughs> so I don't know why Sarah Pomier is emailing me. Cross-border CMU or Lamal, everyone's health and welfare needs orthodontics, private room glasses. <laughs> oh, the big or, three. Wait a minute. Those are the big three. Wow. Orthodontics, private room, and glasses. Accident, death, and funeral. Those are the <laughs> second big three. I don't know what this is, but I can. But now I can read it. 
And by the way, from now on, always translate French is, is something I can. So always, always translate mm, French. That's pretty cool. Which is really not the right thing because now yeah. it's all going to be translated. No, you don't know if it's what language it was originally right, in. Right. Uh, but the button will still be there saying it was translated and you can see the original. Will it? I'll always know. Mm. Okay. I'll bet. Uh, I have an autoresponder on here saying I no longer use this address. So, mm. In fact, it has. To, it actually says if you're sending me a message thinking I'm French, <laughs> I, I am not. <laughs> and it still doesn't stop them. If you're sending this email other, to anyone other than Leo Laporte of Petaluma, California, USA, you may have an incorrect address. And then I don't tell them what the new address is. I say, please ask me for my new address, you know, because mm. you're going to know me, right? I still get so much spam. And that's the Google change log. Every time I look over at your screen, I see this disturbing image. That's a disturbing screen. image of uh, Rudy Giuliani really intently no. playing with his PS5, I think. Or is that an Xbox? I don't know. That's a uh, our, while, while we went on, Ari Melber, uh, two hours ago, I think, um, had some great segment. The whole thing was 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 mug shots from history. It's just mesmerizing yeah. to see them all go by. I just want to know who this Twitter is now. and why she's so happy that she's being booked into the Fulton County Jail. Well, I know why she's so happy. Um, they, they Your consultants tell you to smile in the mug shot. Oh, yeah. You don't want to look guilty. It doesn't look like a mug shot. Right. If you, if you look sad and, 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 and morose, then it's like uh, all your opponents will use that endlessly. Oh, wow. That's, so that's, they, they always say smile, like do your hair, like wear a suit and tie if you're a man. Feel like, you, you know, feel like you're just so happy to be fatal there. Fatal attraction. Rudy does Cindy not. Cindy Powell's like fatal attraction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is, by the way, uh, Blue Sky. So yeah, the 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 mega shots are going already going all all over the place. T two, not yep. so many, really. Maybe I'm right. So I'm not following the right people. They they announced that they that their process in Georgia is that they give the height and weight and so on of of That's everybody they book, and they're going to be and so booking book booking uh, companies that t- play take bets for sports and stuff like that are taking bets on what Trump's weight is going to be. <laughs> do they publish the weight? Yes. Oh, God. That's going to kill them. Oh, yeah. God. Think, the ultimate two, humiliation. 285? Yeah, 285. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. about 285. Because he's yeah. a tall dude, too, right? Yeah, he's pretty tall. Yeah. Well, I think I think his height has been exaggerated as well. So that's yeah. another point of... Oh, well, we oh. get the height, too. Oh, that's a prop bet. So I've, yeah. I, I've already <laughs> predicted on, on social media that whatever the published numbers are for his height and weight he'll deny it and say it's fake news <laughs> so now your your msnbc report because the tv's on in the background ronan farrow's on talking about his musk oh oh i'll have to yeah, watch on, that on, on I, uh, with, with he, did on, he did a long interview on cnn as well which i saw before the show so it's a boy. I I led with it because I it's it's, it's a little concerning. It's a little. I just bit, printed it out yep. the whole thing to read. Uh, yeah, tomorrow. It's uh it's well worth uh, reading if you. But you have to have about eight hours. Like this, show. I, I put it in. <laughs> well, I put it in. I put that article into Insta paper, and it gives you an estimate of the reading time. And it said it's a thirty-seven minute read. Oh, that's not bad. That's not, not bad. well. If you're it's not, not distracted bad. by T two yeah. every right, two yeah. minutes. Right. Thirty-seven exactly. minute read. 
Is that too long Good for these grief. for people I, these days? For, I, for a magazine article, that's pretty long. That's I long. You're not supposed to sit minutes. on the toilet for more than a few minutes, I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Why are you? It's my New Yorker time. time. Don't bother me. <laughs> Our show today. That's now comments. my TikTok time. But that's my TikTok time. This oh god! Now I don't want to look at any TikToks. <laughs> this episode of this week in Google is brought to you by. Actually, this is serious. Everybody should pay attention to this. Brought to you by the password manager I recommend Steve Gibson uses. We all use. Now, we're going to even use it corporate-wise. I got to tell you, first of all, job one, get a freaking password manager. Stop reusing passwords all the time on the sites. You're going to be subject to a credential stuffing attack. Somebody's going to break into a site, get your password, if and try it on every site that you might be a member of. And, and if you use the same password more than once, you're in trouble. So you need, but the problem is, I understand. Believe me, I understand. How do I remember these passwords? There's so many of them. That's why you need a password manager, which not only generates good, long, strong, totally random passwords that cannot be memorized, unless you really have a lot of free time, more than 37 minutes, but it remembers them for you. And then it encrypts them in a giant vault. Bitwarden is the one I use. It's the only open source cross-platform, works everywhere, Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, that you can use anywhere, anytime, even at work. We've all switched over. You should, too. With Bitwarden, all the data in your vault is end-to-end -end encrypted, not just your passwords. What? You say, I, don't they all work that way? No. No. It turned out one of the big ones, one of our former sponsors, wasn't encrypting the sites you visited. So there was a whole record of every site you had a password for. That's not good. Bitwarden encrypts it all. Bitwarden is the best. In fact, in the summer 2023 G2 Enterprise Grid Report, they solidified their position as the highest performing password manager for enterprise, leaving competitors in the dust. That's why we're switching it at work. Bitwarden protects your data and privacy by adding strong, randomly generated passwords for every account. But it goes another step farther. It also will do a unique username for every account. They have a username generator, and you can even create a dummy email address. Now, you might say, but I need that address to work. Yes, it works with our sponsor, Fastmail, and four, and I think four other, including Firefox, uh, email providers. So they integrate in with, fa with Fastmail. And Fastmail goes, oh, yeah, I, we'll create a random address and we'll make that your login and we'll make sure that mail gets to you. But that's great because then the bad guy not only has to guess a password, they have to guess a weird email address. And because it's open source, you can look at every bit of the code on GitHub. Not only public to the world, but it's also public and they, they do this every year, third-party professional audits. And they publish the results publicly on their website. So you, this is open source security you can really trust. You can just verify that it really works as as advertised. They have lots of nice features. I We're going to use the, the Bitwarden Enterprise Organization plan. That's $5 per month per user. Bitwarden also has a Teams Organization option, $3 per month per user. A lot of additional features like the ability to share private data securely with coworkers across departments or even the entire company. Plans are completely customizable and adaptive. But here's important for individuals. Bitwarden's basic free account is always free for individuals. That's their open source. They don't have a choice. It's always free for individuals. So now I pay for the premium account. That means I can use two-factor. And that's 
$10 a year. And I did it actually as much to support them as anything else. But the basic free account is cross-platform unlimited passwords. It's not, not hobbled in any way. You, they even have a family plan, up to six users, premium features, $3.33 a month. I'm very happy to support these guys. They make the best password manager in the business. They've just launched their new Bitwarden Secrets Manager. Actually, it's out in beta, which is important for developers. How many times have developers, this happens all the time, I'm sad to say, put they put API secrets like their S3 bucket keys in, in, in the source code? Yeah, for ease of use, but then that source code gets committed up to Git or somewhere in public, and now the secrets are out. The secrets manager makes it easy. It it keeps it secret, but it still works. It's really good. Visit bitwarden.com slash secrets beta if you want to test that out. Look, you need a password manager, bottom line. Get started with Bitwarden's free trial of a Teams or Enterprise plan, or just get started for free across all devices, unlimited passwords as an individual user, free. Bitwarden.com slash twit. This is just a no-brainer. Easy to use, too. If you have family members who are not computer sophisticates, you know, they just, they go, I don't know. They're, they're post-it noting all the passwords or something. Help them out. Get them, get them secure. Bitwarden.com slash twit. We thank them so much for their support this week in Google. Thank you, Bitwarden. Uh, I'm, I think we're almost at the end of the show. Jeff, is there anything I, think, I missed? Do you have? No, I think we're, uh... Okay. Oh, uh, oh, we need one one tribute. A tribute? To John Warnock. Yeah, and we did a long one yesterday on MacBreak Weekly. You John Warnock, it. one of the founders of Adobe with John Geschke. Uh, he, it's actually a great story. Go look at his uh, Wikipedia. He passed away this week at the age of 82. Uh, Warnock was working, um, at, I think it was Evans and Sutherland, he was, and he created PostScript. Eventually brought that to... Xerox Park, where he met Geschke. Uh, PostScript, of course, was the foundation for the portable document format. PostScript was the end of the Gutenberg age. Oh, interesting. When letters weren't letters anymore. They were descriptions. They were code. They were code. Uh, he, he actually was a mathematician. His master's, his earliest publication, the subject of his master's thesis, uh, a proof, this is in 1964, of a theorem solving the Jacobson radical for row finite matrices. Thank you, John. Mm, fun guy. Fun guy. In 1969, his PhD thesis, The Warnock Algorithm for Hidden Surface Determination in Computer Graphics. Now, in 69, this was really, all the graphics were just lines, where they were outlines, right? And he, right. because of this, made it possible for a computer with very limited capability to create surfaces. It was mm. because of that we could see solid surfaces. Plus, I think he also used, if I, if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong and someone will correct me, but uh, uh, there was some auto design, so, as in automobile design software that enabled the description of, of curves and things. And that, at least in part, inspired PostScript. Yeah. PostScript, I actually remember, it was kind of forth-like. It was a stack-based language. It was a weird language. But the Apple... Postscript? No, no, I thought you said something else. Fourth. It was fourth-like, fourth which is a stack-based language. Uh, it was the language for the Apple laser writer. This this is really what ended right. Gutenberg here. Right. right. And right. you could write yeah. code. Uh, Where's this daggum fly? Daggum fly. <laughs> it's been Self-hating Leo is hitting himself. You could write code. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, Leo, don't hurt yourself. It's okay. <laughs> you could write code that would actually print something. It was kind of fun. It was kind of cool. That became PDFs. In in 1986, his his wife Marva was a graphics designer. You might you might be old enough to remember these, uh, Jeff. Remember those weird curvy plastic rulers that you would use to do bezier curves? Yes. She would yes, pull out yes. the ruler and be doing curves, and he looked at it and he said, "You know, we probably could do that in software." Invented something called Adobe Illustrator mm-hmm. that would actually do those curves for her. He did it for his wife in the, the late eighties. Uh, in 1991, he outlined a system called Camelot, which eventually became PDFs. Uh, and of course, which they, what we might curse on the one hand, on the other hand, it really changed publishing tremendously. Oh, absolutely. Created a standard that anything could be, absolutely. could be produced anywhere yeah. and, and made a big difference. One of the, one of the pioneers of the computer industry, a great, and you know, I think, uh, certain younger generations don't really know these names, mm-hmm. uh, but, you and I do, Jeff, because we're we've been around a while old. and we're old. And it's really important to mention them. I mean, these don't come out of nowhere. There's somebody who sat there and yeah. invented it. Yeah, and it's pretty amazing. And he was one of the greats. So we thank him. Uh, John Warnock uh, died at the age of eighty. Pancreatic cancer takes another one. Yeah, we're all in cancer's waiting room, Jeff. Tell me about it. You actually got invited in, I believe. Uh, let us do our picks of the week. I think yes. Yeah. If yeah. there's nothing else to, I'm glad you mentioned Warnock. I want. I should. Mm-hmm. I definitely wanted to mention that. Uh, I'm getting hungry, I, so I didn't want to extend. Oh it too much, well. But, all right, uh, Cacio e Pepe time. I, I, I think it's important. Yeah, it's just important be glad you're not getting mug shots. It's five o'clock. Uh, <laughs> it's really five o'clock. What's it? Five o'clock. <laughs> Dun, dun, time flies and when you're having dun, fun dun. well that's to me that's always you know people say why do you let these shows go so long because i'm having fun uh, i don't know i don't know how long it's been <laughs> mike do you mike we're going to give you a name for your we used to call it uh, stacy's thing we're going to call it mike's goods <laughs> what is what is i got what, the goods man. give me some goods you said you were going to give us guys, something so- big you got the good. I got uh, so I got I got three things. We'll start with the most frivolous. So if you use generative AI tools to create images, right, with, with text prompts, yeah, and if those images contain words or letters, it's gibberish. There, like, the AI is dumb. It doesn't know what a word is or what a letter is when it's doing visual AI, right? So it, it creates things that look like letters and it puts it in your image. Oh, they're terrible like, well, though. Though, yeah, that, that. that's one of the giveaways. Of uh, right. of an AI generated graphic is that the text looks like Greek, right? So there's a new AI tool called Textify. So you take one of those images that's been generated with AI, you put it in here, and then you tell it. You can give it actual words in place of the fake words that it has, and it's just a way to turn to 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 make uh, to make more uh, fake AI, news and AI deep fake yeah, news. Right? Oh, real boy. words in it, and you can. T- you can say where you want the words. You really good, Mike. Side to size and all that kind of stuff. So this is <laughs> useful for if you've ever been uh, frustrated by an image that has gibberish words in it. You can put now real words in it or no words. You can you can replace it, and that's what that's for. Cool. So Textify. Storia. AI. So here's uh, a, here's an example, that. and then uh, what do I do? I fifty one percent. 
What a, you, you sort of select the gibberish. Oh, I have to say, uh, this is what you should fix. Right. You uh, have to put, cover it completely. Uh, and then you type in the words you want and it puts it in that typeface. Oh, with the yeah, background. You I can tell yeah. you used command line because you're horrible with a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Let's I don't know what the caption of that would see be. What uh, this does. Okay. And then Fanky Quipic. Um, <laughs> I, I like that the way it is, but no. Okay. I think Quipic used to be a uh, Textify. Manufacturer. Textify. Textify. And it gives you options. It gives you m multiple like versions. And of course, it's using AI to do this. So it's, so it's, a, it's an AI tool to compensate for another AI tool. Nice. Textify uh, ready in 45 it, uh, minutes. Storia. This is st <laughs> well, I guess by next week's show. We'll Storia. see. Storia.ai. S T O R I A. AI. And here we go. And so. Yeah, there we go. Here yeah. it is. Then we can just see. Let's just see what this. Uh, but it did change it, the background. It, the docs. it cut it off a little bit. That's so, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes oh, oh, it's better okay. than other times. That's so on it's, you. it depends on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think. I, think I if you If you're more precise with the drawing the box, I think it does a little better. But. It's something to play with in some way to to quickly improve uh Let's cool. those kind of images. Okay, this <laughs> stop stop Hale. Stop. I'm trying to I need a command line. Good grief. Let's go to the terminal. Tales. All right. Also, here's one from okay. Google, right? You want to do that one? What uh, do you well, want to do next? We get to the Google one. Let's, okay, save that there's, one. I want to do the a one called Unriddled. Unriddled. Now, this is the one I, I predict you want to use during shows. Okay. So what this does. <laughs> oh gosh. Is, um, yes, because because when when you're let's say you, I'm trying to read something notes. that I've never seen before and understand exactly. it. And, and yeah, you're you're very good at, at reading and talking at the same time. <laughs> but like, uh, but this might be an easier way. So 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 they Unriddle is a place where you can you can either use it as a text editor and it will do. AI based, like it'll fill in the blanks, it'll finish your sentences and do all the things that AI text editors do, but that's not what you would use it for. So the second, the second option is something called upload. So you can upload a, you can paste text in, you can give it a URL and it'll get the text from the URL, or you can put in a PDF. So let's say you have a story and you're you have a very complex story about, about legislation around tech or something like that. You can put in three or four stories by copying and pasting it into the same item on the list on the left right and then instead of going through all this text trying to find the date when so-and-so was appointed the head of this agency or something like that you just ask oh you just that's great documents say hey when did he leave when did it, you know when did this happen what what's summarize this explain this to me like i'm five it'll take a, it'll take a a gigabyte of text and it'll give you a paragraph that gives you the main points and then you can interrogate that paragraph so it's it's a way to rapidly get and extract data and summarization and all those things out of a document. But the best part for doing this during a podcast is that each story can have its own thing and each thing can have as many articles as you want. You can put in Wikipedia pages, you can put in all this kind of stuff. And that's the topic of that discussion, which you can interrogate all of it at once very quickly and get summaries that are ready for, you know, and again, this is not, treacherous like open AI. This is not just all the data. This is just the data you put in there. And so if you put in good data, you're going to get good, uh, good output from this. 
Um, so I would, I would recommend trying this during a show and see if, if it's faster than actually talking and reading at the same time, which I, I like this. I can, I can take a 10 Q financial filing and have it mm. and, and ask queries of it. You know, did NVIDIA make money this year based on this balance sheet? Uh, well, that's, that's cool. Uh, it's not, fr- yeah. well, it's free for a small number. It, it, yeah. Very small. You have to pay at least 16 bucks a month for this. Right. Right. Uh, to, to, get, to have it be useful. Unriddle.ai. Yeah, un, Unriddle.ai. Okay, yeah. the, the, the third one is from Google. So I'm a big proponent, have become a big proponent of using AI to improve your writing and improve your ability to write well as opposed to the opposite. So instead of just doing what some of these sophomore and high school kids are doing and just having ChatGPT write their essay and they put it in and when they, the teacher reads it, it says, as a, as a generative AI text bot, I believe, blah, blah, blah. And then they're getting flunked out of school. No, mm-hmm. don't use AI as like they that. they should be. <laughs> yes. That, so to me, the number one uh, benefit of AI, generative AI for a writer is that it, it can help you discover your blind spots your, the, the things that you're missing, like uh, about a topic, it can suggest areas to investigate. It can improve very quickly your ability to write. Another way to do it is you, you want to use AI as a sounding board. And so this tool from Google that they came uh, yeah. out with earlier this month called TextFX basically lets you, um, it lets you take a word, say, and say, okay, you know what? Uh, create similes about this word, explode it oh, into similar it. sounding phrases. And it's, it, it, it's, it's kind of directed at rappers actually, but it's also good for writers. It helps you explore because too often people are lazy writers and they just, they say, okay, how would I say this? And they type what they would say. That's not a good way. If you want to be a thoughtful writer, you words have, have, have histories. They have implications. They have, they have connotations. They have all this, every word in the English language comes with all this baggage that's helpful for a writer if you want to really paint the right picture. So it helps you like bounce off all these ideas. It'll show you, it'll give you a list of alliteration. It'll it'll create acronyms for you. It's a way to take words and phrases and play with them and to see how that sparks your mind to improve your writing and and, and improve your ability to write. So this is a really actually fascinating brilliant tool for writers that doesn't just write it for you it actually improves your ability to write so create an acronym using the letters of a word um mug shot i don't know why i'm thinking that and now it's because it says <laughs> okay, my ugly grin shines here on this <laughs> very nice very nicely done okay yeah Wow. This is good for creative headline writing. Uh, this is good for if you're a fiction writer, you want, you want to uh, get into descriptions, you want to paint pictures, you want to have it, you, you really want to explore language. This is really, really an interesting tool. And uh, I, I think it's fascinating. As Mike Elgin says, elegant language generates artful notes. Yes. That's, an That's what Elgin stands for. That's what for. Elgin stands for. <laughs> Wow, this is this is a uh, with Google uh, experiment. So this is yes, really interesting. Yeah, the text yeah. FX project at textfxwithgoogle.com. Interesting. Really yeah. interesting. Yeah, I'll play. a lot of these are toys. This feels like a toy, but uh huh? I guess it could be a, a tool if you 
Uh, As a writer, I often find myself like uh, there's a word in my sentence that lands with a thud and I don't know what to do with it. I don't like the way it sounds. I don't like the way it feels and looks. And so I want to just put that word in and just like inspire me to think differently than I'm thinking right now. And I think yeah, it's, that's it's somewhat, useful. This, these are like prompts, like to get you yeah. evaluate a topic through different points of view or build a chain of semantically related items. So email and then see what it email, computer, keyboard, letter, post office, letterbox, mail, mailbox. So it's like a thesaurus would help you. Frankly, I use the Oxford English dictionary to understand the mm-hmm. deep nuance of a word um, I guess I could throw those out now because well, <laughs> what what I used to use or what I still do use, I think one of the most powerful tools is etymology dictionaries, the Oxford yeah, English love it etymology dictionary because the etymology is is where yeah, that's the, really what the OED is for is like where when it was this yeah. word first used. So I asked but, but, it to give me a simile about bird books. A bird book is like a door to a secret world, opening up a whole new realm of possibilities. For the imagination, that sounds very AI. That sounds yeah. very AI. And what's this temperature yeah. thing uh, do? This slider. I have no idea. <laughs> no one does. We turn it. Turn up the temperature and run uh, it. Podcast. It's just, like the, it's just like the sliders in stable diffusion. It, yeah, you it's have just no the idea thing. what they mean. Yeah, but, but you don't need to know. So podcast. Let's get a simile. A podcast is like a warm blanket on a cold night. It's comforting, <laughs> it informing, and always there when you need it. Yeah. A blanket isn't really informative, is it? <laughs> it's an informative blanket. Not just any blanket. It's an informative it's like blanket. A, it's like a blanket with text on it. But, you know, this gets you thinking about similes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. For rappers, break a word into similar sounding phrases. Uh, diaper. Mm. Uh, yeah. Let's see. <laughs> That's a good word for a rap rapper. Do appear, hang out with a friend. A diaper's here, but I got to mend. There's a hole in the bottom and it's leaking out. I don't know. I just what was, are you I don't talking? About? I just got a little rap going there. That's I'm a freestyling, you know. Freestyle. Me yes. and uh, Lil Wayne. That's enough. Uh, gonna, that's yeah. enough. That's quite enough of that. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, how nice about story. you, Jeff Jarvis? <laughs> what do you got? I'm gonna be quick. Um, <laughs> you're hungry. One number. Now, are you taking Stacy's waffles <laughs> down? Is that what you're doing? Yes. Now it's gonna be him that's hungry all the time. No, it's all right. It's it, it's eight fifteen, eight sixteen here, and I gotta be up at five. Oh God! Um, quickly. To go to Philadelphia again. Um, On the whole, I'd rather be dead. I got third prize, yeah. Yeah. Um, I love Philly. I'm just joking. Sorry. Sorry. I love Philly. Uh, uh, To our twit flight earlier, uh, a quick mention that um, LinkedIn is cool now, says Bloomberg. 41% more content on the network. uh, You know why? Because it's all. AI generated. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think a lot of people, Lisa loves it. I like LinkedIn. A lot of people like LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm using it more. It's better than, you know, the the hot stuff that's out there. Yeah. And very quickly, TikTok Corner, after last week's discussion about Duke Mayo. Yes. uh, Verified here uh, that Duke's Mayo, your right aunt, is the thing to use. Damn right it is. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you... Some guy eating mayo. Simplest ingredients. It has to be an heirloom heritage tomato, fully ripe. Where do you see how white the bread is? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's good ingredients. That's the whitest. Duke's mayonnaise. Yeah, because it matches your bread. Same color as the mayonnaise. 
But to me, that's just a, a heavenly expression of summer. Not a sponsor, but I quite dig like it. it. And those types I love of bread tomato are the sandwiches. only ones that really do but well I ain't put it on that bread. sandwich. Sourdough bread or some of the uh, more refined uh, types of bread, they just don't cut it for a tomato sandwich. <laughs> Tell it, brother. <laughs> Tell it. <laughs> it's got to be your wonder bread, bread out of here. <laughs> I found that for you, Ant. There you go. Tuk-Tuk meets Duke's Mayo. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we'll close things out with Ant's Thing of the Week. My thing, very quickly, uh, I've spoken about Vegas Pro, the video editor before. Very powerful, yeah. Um, It's it's continuing to get updates. Uh, The price is, you can get it now for 300 bucks for a perpetual license, just like DaVinci Resolve. But they, in the latest update, they have integrated with another company I've spoken of is Boris Effects which has their chroma keying tools and their tracking tools, which is really, really, really good. So all of that integrated into the package just really helps step up this product and make them worthy competition, in my opinion. And lastly, a shout out to my man, Mr. Harry Williams. He's doing the Freeform Living Light Expo this weekend in downtown San Francisco, uh, featuring one of his friends as an artist. And he'll also have some of his photos there. So if you're interested in checking out some art, feel free to check him out Saturday in San Francisco. But I'd rather you drive on up to Petaluma on Saturday. Oh, yes. At the same time for our photo walk. We got us a photo walk. Downtown Petaluma. Yeah. yeah. So check that out. Six o'clock Saturday. Right there in the little park next to um, Petaluma Pie Company. Mm. Are you going to stop and get some pie on the way? No comment. All right. Here is, it cost me $9.99 to export our fly-through. Okay. Are you ready? From the Twit Studios to your ears. What happened to me? Look at you. Look at, look at Oh, jeez. Oh, 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 oh. oh, loud. I disappeared. I totally. guess, yeah, things are disappearing. That was John running away. See him <laughs> disappearing? Oh, that's we- oh, that's weird. But it does oh. smooth it out very nicely. It's pretty. Yeah, this this is the HD version for ten dollars. And this looks like um, old Some dude weird going on from with it. um, yeah. what's his name Thanos. Thanos is dissolving the uh, Twit <laughs> Studios. I had to take a look at Burke's nest. Oh, it's you, weird. You know what's what's happening? happening? Oh, look at that. oh, it does some weird. How much of it is from the original? Do you know? Uh, it you took know? out, let's see, the original was a minute 37 and the final was 57 seconds. I mean, cropped out from the sides and the top. And oh, I, well, Dude, I look don't at know. your head. Look Are you that. okay, Mr. Humans. Benito? Are you okay? I'm, I gotta say, the result is not impressive. Okay. <laughs> not impressive, no. Maybe you went too fast. I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm probably, it's my fault. Sure. <laughs> Boy, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holding her on. Sorry man. for the 10 bucks you just went through. <laughs> Hey, for you, anything. That is Mr. Jeff Jarvis. You know, he's the director of the Town Night Center for Entrepreneurial Journalism. That's the University of New York. If you want to buy his book, Gutenberg, what is it? The Gutenberg, Gutenberg parenthesis.com. No, the. Do read it. It's actually great. It's great reading. Because the audiobook isn't out yet, Lisa makes me read it to her every night to go to sleep. <laughs> I got new reading glasses so I could read it. Did you really? Good for you. And started reading it last night. Ant's website, antpruitt.com. Slash prince. Get the prince, because he's a prince among men. Thank you, Mr. Pruitt. (laughs) Also, doing great work in our club twit with all of the events, that Dan Patterson event last night. 
I tell you what, we got some good ones coming up. If you're not a member of Club Twit, oh yeah, we we're, we're, we got a lot coming Twit. up the rest of the year, sir. You've been busy, busy, busy. That photo walk Saturday, Stacy's Book Club, uh, Daniel Suarez and Hugh Howie's Fireside mm-hmm. Chat, Lou Maresca. Oh, you got John Scalzi and Mr. Scalzi. How'd that happen, Mr. Scalzi? <gasps> he will be one of the uh, greats with us in October. One of the greats. Wow, so I'm looking forward to that. And then Anthony Nielsen will explain. He's our prompt master. He's amazing. An AMA with the great Renee Ritchie, and then December seventh, a day <laughs> that will live in infamy. <laughs> the old farts fireside chat with me. Jeff and Doc Sorbs. <laughs> a day that will live in infamy. I'm really looking September. forward to that. <laughs> Thank you, Aunt. Appreciate all you do in the club. It's fantastic. Thank you. Mike, so great to see you. You are off for great to see you. where next? Milan. Milan. Yes. Nice. Okay. We're going to take a train across Boy, Italy gosh. and go to Venice. And Yeah, looking forward to it, as always. We have a lot of friends in Italy. Yeah, absolutely. Stay in touch when you're at a somewhere with good internet. We'll get you on the show again. Outstanding. Yeah, I would love to. Yes. And, uh, and can I can I plug uh, experiences? Yeah. Is that okay? Uh, okay. So um, if you don't know, my wife does gastronomic experiences. These are food and wine experiences that typically last a week. And um, the next ones coming up are all in Latin America. So we have Mexico City in November. We have Oaxaca in December, and we have El Salvador. First ever oh, El Salvador I experience. These. I did the Oaxacan one, uh, Day of the Dead, yes. a couple of years ago. It was unbelievable. I cannot recommend these more highly. It's a small yeah, group. You. Uh, Mike and Amira are most wonderful hosts. You're all staying in a beautiful mansion that they book. Uh, they take you to the best restaurants in town, the best chefs, the best wine, the best mezcal. It is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is your first El Salvador uh, trip. Of course, Amira, right. your wife is from El Salvador, so that's going to be pretty impressive. We've been looking forward to this for a long time, and it's finally going to happen. So, uh, if you know Latin America, like a lot of people are, if you're not familiar with Mexico City, Oaxaca, or places like El Salvador, it's a little bit intimidating to go to these places. Yeah, we take yourself. you right into the yeah. center of the culture where, like, we have all these friends Aww. that uh, there's Julia, and, and, and we also know everything. So, yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. So if you if you'd like to join us on any of those, we'd love to have you. And uh, those are the ones coming up next. Nice, so, nice. Know. Gastronomad.net. It is. I cannot recommend it. It is. It's not. It's not tourism. It's travel in the best sense of the word, where you're really mm-hmm. in the community and you yeah. get to be part of something. <laughs> Warm and, and Michael guarantee you that in none of these experiences will you have chicken pot pie. <laughs> you are correct, sir. You are correct. Or, you or, or, a la or king? chicken a la king. No chicken, chicken a la king. king. It's not happening. Nope. Yeah, it's not we happening. Had the, and, I, and, I had, we had the best food in Oaxaca I've ever had. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, I still yes. dream about so it. So good. That's where I'd like yeah, to go. Yeah, so good. So good. And, and the food in, in Mexico City is, is, is <gasps> comparable and excellent in its own way. In fact, two, two, uh, rest, two restaurants in Mexico City are in the top 10 in the world for oh, yeah. restaurants. Oh, yeah. Two Jeez. highest rated in North America are Mexico City. Wow. And they're both Oaxacan-influenced restaurants, which is, I think is interesting. Um, so um, I thank you for that, Leo. And also a quick shout out. We talk a lot about uh, AI. Uh, my son has a product, Chatterbox. If you're an educator- Hello, Chatterbox. Hello. If hello. If you're an educator or a parent, go to hellochatterbox.com and check out my son's product. It's an excellent way to introduce kids to AI in a safe way that it's not going to lead to them being exposed to uh, inappropriate material or 
them cheating or anything like that. It's all about learning about AI, which is very, very important, we think, for kids. So hellochatterbox.com. Yeah, he couldn't be better positioned for this AI revolution. Yeah. It really is a way to learn. And you've added chat GPT. Uh, mid journey. Yeah. So you really, kids are going to safely get to learn what these are and what they aren't and, uh, and, exactly. and have a real, and, you know, voice assistance too. It's really a cool project. Hello, chatterbox.com. And especially they, they build the tool and then the, t- and then the student and or the teacher can use the tool for education on any subject. Yeah. So it's really brilliant. This would be a very good uh, a gift to a local school. It, uh, if you've got kids in an, an elementary school or you want to support your local elementary school, take a look at the classroom bundle because this would be such a great thing for the curriculum. Um, yes. I just really think this is this is the kind of education, technology education we really, really need. Yeah, K, is it K through six mostly? You. Can you do sm- older kids? He, he typically looks at eight and up. And okay. uh, and so, you know, it's usually, uh, you know, middle school and up and and. Um, he actually has a lot of pe- adults who use this uh, universities cool. in Europe that oh, use it right. and so on. So, so yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you, Mike Elgin. Thank you, Aunt Pruitt. Mm-hmm. Thank you, JJ. Thank you. Go have something to eat. And thank you all for joining us. We do this week in Google every Wednesday, eleven. Uh, sorry, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2100 UTC at live.twit.tv. There's always something going on on Twit Live. You can ask your assistant whether it's a Google Assistant or an Echo, or, uh, I suppose Siri, I don't know. It might say, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. But you say, I want to listen to Twit Live, and, it'll, and you might have to say on YouTube or tune in or something, but it'll play it for you. And then you can listen. You can just have it on uh, when we do the show or any other time. If you're watching live, chat live, irc.twit.tv. Of course, Club Twit has its own Discord, a great place to be. We've recently reorganized that. I know it might be a little jarring to the existing club twit members but it's really better you'll figure it out uh we talked a little bit about it earlier maybe we'll record something so we can put it up there so people can see how to use the new uh, discord organization same content new organization uh and then of course after the fact on-demand versions of this show at twit.tv slash twig that's our website twit.tv slash twig uh or you know, you can go to YouTube and look for This Week in Google. There's a whole channel with every show on there, the video. Or subscribe to audio or video mm-hmm. in your favorite podcast client. The best way to get it. That way you get it automatically the minute it's available. Well, you've heard me mention Club Twit. If you're not in the club, please join. We'd love to have you. Twit.tv slash Club Twit. Hey, that's it for This Week in Google. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hey, I'm Rod Pyle, Editor-in-Chief of Ad Astra Magazine, and each week I join with my co-host to bring you This Week in Space, the latest and greatest news from the final frontier. We talk to NASA chiefs, space scientists, engineers, educators, and artists, and sometimes we just shoot the breeze over what's hot and what's not in space, books, and TV. And we do it all for you, our fellow true believers. So whether you're an armchair adventurer or waiting for your turn to grab a slot in Elon's Mars rocket, join us on This Week in Space and be part of the greatest adventure of all time. <laughs>